Welcome to episode six of the Goulet Pen Cast, where fountain pens are still a thing. I am Brian Goulet. And I am Drew Brown. And we are here from Goulet Pens to deliver this casual and informal, tangential and extraneous, superfluous and extemporaneous fountain pen show, where we talk about what's going on at the Goulet Pen Company and in our fountain pen lives. In today's show, we're going to talk about how to meet fountain pen friends during a global pandemic, motivating yourself to clean your dirty pens, how our perception of fountain pens and their use has changed over the years, and if Drew will indulge me, a deep dive on how paper is made. And it's a deep dive. Spoiler alert, Drew doesn't have a choice. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) That's very true. I'm his boss. What's he going to do? No, he's going to hassle me either way. So, yeah. Well, um, let's start out with the first segment, though, Drew. Feedback. Feedback. Very well, Brian. Well, um, this was feedback not from the last podcast, but from another video, mm-hmm. which is an older... Um, sometimes what we did with uh, former Q&As, we would have the full Q&A. Brian would take seven hours to do that. Mm-hmm. And then we would take right. these uh, slices. We'd slice out a question and then we would publish that separately so that's what i did with an older video and it was when brian discussed form versus function in fountain pens like you Mm. know what what is not necessarily better or worse but anyway in it he used his love undying love for cargo shorts Mm. cargo pants pockets storage in general wearing wearing a giant backpack filled Mm -hmm. with all of his possessions at all times as a um you know an example of why function obviously is better than form Mm -hmm. um and i want to tell you there was some cargo shorts criticism, Brian. Oh, I'm no stranger to the cargo However, shorts criticism. However, far more support yeah? for cargo shorts. Far more. There are some cargo short loving pen are, people out my, there. You are my people. You are my people. There really was. There you, were people that say like, oh, try these pants. Or like, I wear my backpack everywhere. There were... I, w- would you say that my backpack is like the cargo pants equivalent of a backpack? Golly. Like multiple pockets, side pockets, pockets on the side pockets. And they're all full. Like he, he wears that thing everywhere. I do. This thing's probably about 20 pounds at all times. Like even from office to office. Like we, we you know, you're not in the office yeah. as much now, but when you were, it would go from you from like just meeting to meeting. You'd yeah, bring everything. Absolutely. Which is not You necessary. never know when you're going to have to like hunker down and survive <laughs> in the wilderness, like going to the bathroom at the office. You so know? I thought you'd be motivated by that uh, feedback. Um, I am motivated by What that. I am not motivated by are the amount of people that watched our last podcast. Mm-hmm. And in the video version, mm-hmm. we included a uh, video of... Um, the event in which my office was sabotaged mal- <laughs> maliciously by an insane amount of Dots candy. Mm. And there were a lot of people that found that humorous. And frankly, I don't know I'm how to feel about people. that. Yeah. Well. Anyway. I know how I feel about it. Glad you liked it. I thought it was very entertaining. Truth be told, when, had you seen that video before? Or yeah, like, yeah, I saw it like right after it happened. But like not since then, no. right? Yeah, so you got to like relive it all. That's that's and, pleasant. And you know what? <laughs> Reliving it, like now I'm not in my feels as much as I was in the moment. Okay. I, I got to respect the hustle. Like I got to, like th- it was a well-coordinated effort. It was. It was. So there, there were multiple people involved on that. Oh, I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> anyway, okay. And then uh, on a more serious note, we got a comment um, from Wendy Wander 7 that reads, my teen son has autism. I've been supporting him navigating high school in the pandemic. Today, I survived his second annual IEP review in virtual format. Mm. I don't work on tasks while playing these pencast episodes. These episodes are downtime for me to sit and stare at the screen after he's asleep and enjoy the pen stuff and ink stuff and great banter and just breathe. Thank you. Thank you. 
for every minute. That's this, really cool. Yeah, this one this one hit me. Uh, mm. I, I'm not you know like hey look how great we are, but honestly you know Wendy and anybody who is able to find some degree of respite in this thing that pre-produce or frankly any content we produce yeah like i wanted to take this opportunity you know on behalf of us both and everybody here at the company to say like we are honored and humbled to be even a little bit of that for you like that is a tremendous um and distinguished honor that we have and we don't take that for granted and we never will yeah and you know rachel and i we've been virtual schooling both our kids this past year we are coming up now in like the last like week and a half of it which is can't come soon enough, but uh, it's been quite an event. And, you know, our kids do not have autism. Uh, and so we've had challenges even with that. So it's even more complicated, obviously, if you have kids with any kind of special needs. And, uh, you know, I just think that's really cool. The fact that as things are starting to maybe open up a little bit, get a little easier, we are able to get back into more of our groove of doing what we love. It's been much harder for us to produce content at the rate that we've wanted to during this whole pandemic. So we're really excited to be able to do more of that. Yeah. So, so thank you, cool. Wendy. Thank you. Yeah, Whomever really feels, cool. you know, thank even you. a little bit of that. We appreciate it. Um, Scott uh, gave us a little bit of info on the difference between hydrophilic, yeah, hydrophobic, and hygroscopic. Yeah. Mm, um, yes. Essentially, because we talked about ebonite and, yes. you know, how it interacts with liquid. And uh, he clarified for us, hydrophilic attracts water. Hy- hydrophobic repels water, which makes sense. Mm. And then hygroscopic absorbs moisture from the air. So ebonite is like a little bit of both hygroscopic and okay. hydrophilic. But the context I used it, hygroscopic was not the correct term. Um, it was because I was like, talking about how it like how the water or how the ink flows. It wasn't through, like super far off, but, but it's not like absorbing ink from the atmosphere. Obviously, you no. Know? But like it is absorbing some ink. Yeah. So yeah. you know, it's a little bit of both. But it was just I, okay. I thought that that clarification was fun. So thanks, Scott. That's good. I'm not like super great at remembering scientific terms oh, so no. it's possible i could say something completely no we wrong. could have we could have one of these every week yeah, based on we really you know could. what we know about and science we probably will um, and today of, we will for sure yeah speaking of which we did also <laughs> discuss a little bit about uh, nibs and white gold mm. and yellow gold and plating and stuff like that last episode um we got a few comments um for of folks that were way more knowledgeable about jewelry and you know how that works Metallurgy. Than, than we are yeah absolutely yeah and it was clarified to us as well that um we had mentioned very quickly offhandedly that there's really no such thing as white gold it's usually just regular yellow gold that's plated that's not entirely true while that can be done that's like the super jankety way of doing it um, just pl- just plating yellow gold. What's usually yeah. done is uh, white gold is actually a thing created by um, an alloy of yellow gold and then some sort of white metal like nickel or zinc, you know, yeah. stuff like that. And then it's plated so that um, when the plating inevitably wears away, it's not like a stark yellow uh, behind it. It's, yeah. it's more of like a very, very light yellow. Yeah, it's a similar concept. So like with fountain pen nibs, it's not like that. It's not if there is a, you know, a rhodium nib, but it's gold, it's yellow gold plated and then it's just yeah. the plating straight up over top of and that. we have seen it flake off and we've seen bright yellow absolutely material beneath or it. like we we both have messed around with a little bit of nib grinding and if you kind of screw it up and do it wrong you can like dig into the part and you're like oh shoot there's the yellow underneath yep. okay um now where i was going with that last week I, this is all this is all correct and yeah i completely am, am with you on that where where i was going in my head and i'm not sure i actually said it was like it gold the element like there is no like white gold element so like you know it is on the periodic table of elements that gold 
is only yellow. So you have to create an alloy for it to not be yellow gold. Right. So technically the gold part of white gold is yellow. Yes. You're just mixing other things. Yes, gold in it, is yellow. And then you're plating it. But that is a little different than fountain pens. It's yeah. at least that I'm aware of. There is no like white gold fountain pen nib. And probably because that, you know, because you're mixing alloys, that's probably going to affect like the actual working properties of the mm. nib to what degree I have no idea. That is interesting. But I've never seen a what maybe there's something to that. Maybe I don't know. It's plated, we wouldn't know. I don't know. <gasps> or maybe you could have like a really pale yellow like an unplated white gold nib maybe. Mm. Maybe there's something to that. Mm. Get on that powers that be, I don't know who would even do All that. Right. Well, there you have it. That is the, the thing. feedback. There you go. And All we right. can move on over. Appreciate that feedback. You to, know, uh, reflecting, I was talking with Drew, we were reflecting back on last week and it was like, I think multiple times we said, I think we're getting beyond what we're talking about here, but we kept going and then we kept bringing up topics. Oh, we definitely did. Of things that we didn't know exactly what we were saying. No. And that's just the thing. That but we're we count on you for doing. that. Yeah, that's right. We try to research, but then like sometimes we can self-identify and be like, oh boy, I'm, I'm going to get called out on this. And that's uh, fine. And sometimes we don't know because we're that ignorant. Anyway, next segment, let's talk about some new stuff. I will start off. Speaking of being ignorant, I'm somewhat ignorant to this first one. Um, the Sailor Shikiori collection of pens. Now, truth be told, this is something that's been out for like a year, mainly in Japan. We heard about it, but we were not sure if we were going to be able to get any in the U.S. I don't think there are going to be many in the U.S. So I think we're going to get our hands on some. I don't know all the details of it, but it's basically just, it's sort of like the fairy tale collection or like the, you know, the special edition that we saw, the Kira Zur and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, different color. Yeah, they're Pro Gears. Know, yeah, um, Pro Gear Slim. Yeah, but they have the really cool pastel-y uh, colors with different finials. With, with different finials, yeah. yeah. So it's like, if you're into that, yeah. You're gonna think these are cool. They're 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 really cool looking, yeah. but they have not been like super widely like talked about online. Um, we're not gonna like heavily promote them because again, we're not gonna have very many of them, but we are gonna be able to get some at some point. So check the website for all the actual pertinent information. Um, the next thing we have is the Pilot Custom seventy four, one of my favorite pens, long standing for over a decade now. Um, they're coming out with a new color. Yes, they are grenadine. Uh, you know, it's a red color. It's like a deep red. I think it looks really nice. Red's not like my jam. Blue is, hence the blue office colors and blue logo and blue everything that I we have. noticed. Yep. And uh, yeah, so they're coming out with a new color and that's yeah. kind of cool. All nib sizes. That the, the other it's ones a, it's a demonstrator. It's not like a yes, opaque yes. red. So if, yeah. you, if you're a little turned off by red. This one isn't yeah. as like bright and stark as some of the other ones. Like the yeah. uh, it's classy. It's like a it's like a wine color. Yeah, nice. like yeah. like the uh, the uh, they make a red falcon. That one's just like red. oh yeah, that one's opaque. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a little more subtle. Yeah, so, more of a burgundy. So it's nice. It's nice. I like it, it. I'll be same price as all the other uh, custom seventy fours, and that'll be coming uh, soon. And then um, the other one is the Edison Ascent in sea glass. So this is our this is our second model that we designed with Edison pens uh, that we came out with a mm, year ago or so. Um, the, honestly, the reason we had to choose another color is because the Miami Nights oh. color, they just had too many quality issues. They were just wasting a lot of material. The way that the material layered, yeah. you know, Brian Gray reached out to us and he was like, we've got like 50% waste on this yeah. material. He's like, we just can't be doing this. So that kind of stinks. We can't use that material anymore, which is stinks because it so matches your sweet sweet penscape case but what are you gonna do so we brought back 
kind of an old favorite. This was a color that we used in the premiere, mm -hmm. in one of our seasonal premieres. Um, it was really nice. We thought it rounded out the palette a little bit, so we did it in the Ascent. And so now this will be regularly available for the time being. It's quite nice. Yeah, it looks really good. I like that one a lot. Yeah. Uh, we also launched a new North American exclusive Sailor mm -hmm. uh, 1911 S&L, the mm. standard and the large, in a color called Trinity. Trinity. Which I believe is loosely based off of like the, the Father the... and the Son and the Holy Spirit? Close. That, it's kind of the it? no, lady from the Matrix. Not that Trinity. Oh, yeah, so pretty much. Basically Yeah, the same basically thing. the same Yeah, thing. pretty much. Um, I, I, it's very, very loosely. It's just, it's just a black pen, so they thought of something black and... Matrix is very dark. They theoretically film. could have chosen any they character from really the Matrix because they, they just called all it wear all black trench coat. Yeah. Um, but it's a it's a glossy black pen with matte black or ion a black ion black hardware. Ion. Yeah. So it's got that cool nib going. But you know, it does look slick. It's a really slick looking pen. It's neat. Yeah. And at first I was like, oh come on, this is boring. But then I was like, you know what? You know, as Sailor's been coming out with a lot of crazy colors recently, it's good to have one like this. I agree. Yeah. yeah and they have like, I mean. Look at the Shikiori. It's like yes. bright pastel, like that kind of right. thing. Right. So they kind of balance it out. And they have done that. They've done that like with like Wicked Witch and other ones where it's like, you know, the really dark, more subdued, and then like pretty wild out there. Yeah, stuff. they so keep they, things they balanced. Balance it out. You know, they so, go back and forth. I think that's like cool. That. Yeah. And cool. then uh, Retro 51 came out with a new popper. hey -o. Called the Gnome Sweet Gnome. Mm. And guess what? You know why they call them poppers? <laughs> that's not why at all no but i still think it's fun because their non-popper pens do that too that's just the way the tube works but still um color popper because it like pops up for sale and then it disappears because it they is all sell that is exactly that's, that's a real reason why yeah. but it's a really neat pen um i don't expect you to be able to see this but we'll give you a better image yeah, we'll overlay a picture and it is covered in adorable and whimsical daisies and flowers and gnomes <laughs> and mushrooms and frogs yes it is so cute not your mother's retro 51 actually it is your mother's literally is my mother's <laughs> i'm gonna i bought that and i'm gonna give it to my mom because she's a gardener yes, and i think she's gonna like I, it i knew i was gonna say that i'm yeah. really proud of myself now drew you're an avid gardener i'm not an avid gardener i'm trying it this year and <laughs> with mixed success yeah you've already kind of admitted that you've it, the wind has been taken out of your gardening sales. There, there. Yeah, I. You know, you know. We'll leave that for the what's happening segment. I've got some. I've got some words on okay. that. Okay. But uh, as far as <laughs> one more product goes, Monteverde is coming out with a new ink set, and they've done this a couple times. Mm. They've done this with several iterations of themes. This one's the Jungle Ink set, mm. and. As you might be able to see, there are a bunch of cute little animals on here. Aww. Some of which are colored accurately. Some of which are uh, you're just going to use your imagination. You're going to need some 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 splaining. Yeah, some splaining to do. But it's super cool. It comes in a. The set. packaging is really nice. Yeah, packaging is very nice. It's got a magnetic closure here, Ooh. and it comes with a set of ten inks. You've got gorilla. Toucan, lion, hippo, turtle, elephant, chameleon, crocodile, zebra, and giraffe. And yeah, they're little 30 mil bottles. They're cute. They're neat. They're fun. And we'll be selling it soon. There you go. These are all new colors, too. Yes. From new what colors. I understand. New and, colors. Uh, you know, because they've done a number of different uh, bottle sets. And uh, sometimes they are, you know, like, you know, like the blue collection was all like existing blues. They package it together in one set. These are these are new for what I understand. So yep. it's kind of cool. We got them swabbed up. They're on the website. Yeah, they look neat. Check them out. Pretty cool. And that is the new stuff. All right. Now, Drew, this next segment, 
Q&A is the, the I'll officially go into the next segment. Um, you know, we were thinking like, hey, do we want to do another flex segment, another contest, eat some weird candy, whatever. And I was like, you know what? We've gotten some feedback of people asking like, hey, I really like the like old school, old school, like Q&A style questions and all that. So I was like, okay, let's, let's lean harder into some of the questions this week, do some research, go kind of deep. And then we'll go lighter on the flex segment just for this week. We'll try it out. Uh, yeah, Bri- Brian. Brian Drew, mentioned Drew agreed to that before he knew what that was. Yeah, well, mean. well, you asked for it. He said, you know, oh yeah, you know, I haven't been mm. looking at these questions as much because I've been, you know, mostly adding the questions to the uh, agenda here. And he's like, I, I haven't been, been looking at the questions. But looking at the questions, I haven't been like going and like researching. Right, right, right. I've been going I've been deep selecting yeah. them for the most part. And yeah. he was saying like, yeah, you know, I'd be happy to do some research on them. Like, I've got some ones that need some research if you want some. I've been sitting on them because I don't want to do them. But he's like, oh, I'll do them. I was like, all right. Yeah, he like read a couple of them to me and I was like, oh yeah, let's do that one. Oh yeah, that one's gonna be a good one. Yeah, let's do it. And then of course, <laughs> I see what, I see like all of the, you know. He was like, Brian, this is pages. There's pages of notes. And I was like, yeah, there is. <laughs> okay. This is old school here. So here's 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 one of them. Um, Tina the Cat Fan 2015 says, I've fallen in love with fountain pens over the last year in the pandemic, and it's been pretty lonely. How do you recommend meeting other fountain pen inclined people? That is a great question. Uh, I would say like pandemic or not, finding other fountain pen enthusiasts has always been a little bit of work because, you know, most people are familiar mostly with what fountain pens are uh you know if you tell them fountain pens they're not like what are you talking about i've never heard of that they they generally have a concept they might be is that the thing with the feather on it and you're like yeah well that's a quill that's like 100 years prior but you know you kind of explain there oh yeah 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 i i my grandfather had one of those or i used one of those once or i saw one on tv or something like that um but to find somebody like actually is like you can nerd out and talk fountain pens eh, you're, you're not going to just like run into somebody you know, in public, no. probably that's going to do that. You might. Um, so I would say that um, you're probably going to be the only person in your family or office or school or wherever your situation, and you'll be like that weird pen person. And we're all like kind of that weird yeah. pen person. We're beautiful, unique snowflakes, and it's hard exactly. to find us. Yeah. So I would say like a lot of the stuff that applies here is pandemic or not. Yeah. You know, some things get a little more complicated being in a pandemic because you can't like travel to pen shows and things like that quite as easily. Um, But I'll kind of just like write down some of the notes that I had about just basically ways to meet other pen people. Um, I would say one thing is just like use your pens, you know, use your pens around other people in your office when you're going out, just like using them. I think most people who are really into fountain pens, if they see another person using a fountain pen, especially like out in public, you're like drawn to them. Oh and, yeah, you and jump on them. Like the barriers of like, I can't just walk up and talk to this stranger are immediately like lowered when you see that somebody's got a fountain pen. You're like, hey, is that a fountain pen? And yeah. you're like, yeah. And like, is that a is that a Lamy Safari or mm-hmm. whatever? And they're immediately going to be like, yeah. Because they're going to be so shocked that you even know what that is. Mm-hmm. You're like, Instant connection, instant friends. Yeah, and that's the way a lot of pen shows are. Like it's ma- like the fountain pen community is made up of a ton of introverts. But yeah. when you know someone else is into this thing, it it takes a barrier down, Absolutely. and it's a lot easier, yeah. even for introverts. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and so, like you, if you are using it, or if you see somebody that's using it somewhere, you pretty much have an in. You know, yeah, fly with, your flag. With opening opening up that conversation. Look what I'm using. And if you happen to have a pen on you, be like, hey. This is my pen. And, you know, you can you can have a conversation pretty quick. So that's one way. Um, 
you know, obviously online communities, especially mm -hmm. in pandemic life where online is where a lot of people are getting their social interaction. Um, that's by far the simplest and easiest way to find people that are specifically interested in fountain pens. Um, you can have, you know, just virtual relationships where that's all that it is. And you just kind of interact in little pockets of the internet, or you can use it to actually try to connect with people in real life, you know, to find like pen clubs and meetups and stuff like that. So um, I have a couple different ideas and options for you. Um, so I would say, you know, starting out online, you can just, you know, if you don't, if you're, if you're not in love with like being engaged on social platforms, you can usually peruse, you know, certain groups or certain forums, or, you know, you can kind of lurk is the term that's used uh, on Instagram with certain, you know, hashtags, hashtag fountain pen, fountain pens, fountain pen ink, these things, these types of things. You can just kind of go down rabbit trails of, you know, fountain pen terms on some of these public forums and you can find conversations that are happening online. And now most of these are gonna be people that have some kind of avatar or handle that like is not their actual name, but you can at least find people. And if you find you have similar interests, maybe you wanna to choose to engage in that community and then you can actually connect with those individuals. Um, you know, we've got, we've got our own private Facebook group. Facebook's a great way to connect. Um, there's a subreddit for fountain pens. Do you wanna say the name of the, the fountain Facebook pen network? Group? It's the Ghoulie Nation, yeah. That's helpful, Drew. Thank you. Um, you can, you know, check out Instagram. You can check out like any of the Instagram channels like ours or any other retailer or brand manufacturer related to fountain pens as a great place to see like who's engaging with them. And you can, if you're on those channels, you can just comment on them. You can direct message other people that are, you know, engaging on these same types of platforms. And if chances are if somebody's commenting on a post about a fountain pen, they're probably into fountain pens. So it's a pretty good way to kind of like, you know, cut through um, who's casual and who's like actually into it, um, you know. And then, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of the thing I have for online stuff. Uh, in person, you know, there are pen meetups. Uh, there's some that are organized by manufacturers, not so many, but Pelican Hub is one, mm -hmm. you know, for Pelican fans. That one's pretty popular. I don't know what they're doing with the pandemic now. I don't believe that they've been doing any since, you know, March of last year. Uh, but for sure, it's something that was happening and they would do like you know, local city uh, gatherings and they'd publicize them and stuff like that if you're into Pelican specifically, um, you know, but there's a lot of a lot of other types of meetups that might happen a little more organically. Um, definitely pen shows, if you know, any of the big shows, DC, LA, Chicago, Colorado, Miami, Raleigh, what are there's some other ones, San Francisco. I wouldn't recall there's probably a, yeah. a big show, but it's a show. It's not a big <laughs> show, yeah, exactly. But so there are shows that are happening, Atlanta, there are shows that are happening more now like mm -hmm. i think this year um in fact raleigh is this weekend yep um and drew's gonna be there whether you like that or not don't know if that's a draw or a deterrent <laughs> i'm just kidding um but anyway so you know pen shows that are happening now i think they are opening up more depending on your own status and ability to get there um that's more of an option now um sometimes brick and mortar retailers will have like in-store pen events yeah those are a little more like sales driven not so much like community yeah, they, gathering per they se usually but, have like uh, a, you know you know a distributor or a brand kind of hosting the event usually yeah, or in yeah. attendance at least but it's like an opportunity for more people to gather at the same time so your chances are you can bump into more people that are into pens um or obviously you can patronize those stores that's why they do these events um you know or they're you might be able to talk to the people that work at these stores and see if they do any local meetups because obviously if you have a brick and mortar store you have the opportunity to host local meetups and stuff like that um so you can check with any local retailers if you have them in your community 
Um, and then sometimes there's local community pen groups, um, you know, like in your city. You may have to like search online and see or just type in if you live in, I don't know, whatever, Atlanta, you can type in Atlanta Pen Club or something, Atlanta Fountain Pens Meetup or, you know, use some of those terms and search Google and and it might give you some answers there. Um, you can kind of ask around online and see if there's anything in your city or you can start one because pretty much all of these are organic and you can go to whatever fountain pen network and say, Hey, I live in Atlanta. I want to talk pens. Can we meet at whatever the Atlanta brewery? <laughs> I don't know anything about Atlanta. I don't know why I'm, I'm going pretty with Atlanta, sure they have breweries. Yeah. The Atlanta hipster brewery. That's and, it. That's uh, we're going to meet there at nine o'clock on Tuesday and we're going to bring our fountain pens and spread the word. And two people show up in the next month, four people show up. And then before you know that you got a club. Yeah. I mean, to that end, you're not alone. There are a lot of people that are in this hobby that don't get to talk to anybody about it. Yeah. Um, you know, working in customer care for a fountain pen retailer for 10 years, you kind of, you know, you get some of those people on the phone every now and then. Like, all exactly. right. We're all alone in this together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what we found. There Just want to talk that's about my, That's my advice for... Very good. Pandemic or not, but mostly pandemic. All right. There you well, go. Well, that was number one of Brian's that long-winded answers. That wasn't even the deep one. <laughs> here we go. All right. My question for you, Drew. Um, this is from Amy Newell Cook. Uh, how to motivate yourself to clean your dirty pens when it seems overwhelming? Well... You only keep three inked up, use discipline, do not ink up another pen until you've cleaned the others. That's it. I know you're going to disagree with That's me. That's absolute nonsense. But it works. That doesn't and seem like a practical solution to me personally. I've been doing it for years. It absolutely works. I'm like, I've got an ink that I want to use, but I'm not going to use it because I need to run out of this. And then when I ink it up, I will. And that makes it so that whenever, however lazy I am, I only ever have to clean three pens max. Because if I, if I have like 20 pens inked up and they're all yeah, dirty. but you're going to have to clean them so much more often. I don't, uh, that depends on how, if but that, that's fine because then you get to use more ink, you know, more varieties of inks, more regularly. I mean, I have a lot of pens and I will just ink it up with whatever I want. I can put whatever ink that I want anytime and then they stack up and I have like 60 pens to clean at a time and it's, uh. Do you want that? Is that what you want? I mean, so, so, well. I like that you. I like that we have different approaches towards this, Drew. Because I mean, genuinely, this is not made up. Like this is what Drew does, and he sticks to this. Uh, and it's funny because you would maybe think of the two of this. I would be the more disciplined one about this. But yeah, I'm, I generally lack discipline in all other areas. Yeah, I am far on the other end of the spectrum. I, I guess I have selective discipline, and this is just one <laughs> yes, of the so one I. of those areas where I just I do not take that approach. Um, yeah, so for me, I ink up whatever I want, whenever I want. And then when it <laughs> when I get a huge pile of pens that need to be cleaned, it's then like a project. Yeah. You know what I mean? And But that's kind of how I am. Like, I'm not big into like, like a little bit of like regular ongoing maintenance. I like projects and overhauls and stuff like that. I like to do big dramatic efforts mm. and see big results. Mm. That's just like a personality thing for me. So that's probably what, like how that manifests in my Yeah, no, I run away habits. from those. Yeah, so again, I'll just burn it all down. So you got Drew's option, which is the- Better. Probably more practical one. But for the impractical one like mine, <laughs> which many of you probably find yourself in that situation, um, I will say like, you know, the feeling of being overwhelmed that's a feeling that may or may, that's going to be personal. You can try his approach. You can try my approach and see what feels better. Um, but what I do being the pen hoarder that I am, um, I keep, I basically like keep all of my pens that need to be cleaned. Like I've used my pen and I either want to change out the ink or it's kind of dried up and needs to be like 
tended to. So if I don't want to ink it up with the exact same ink or I forget the ink that I put in it, which is most likely the scenario, I, I basically file it away into either a pen case or a bin of some kind that's like needs to be cleaned. Uh, and, and I set it aside until I'm like, ready to take on that project you know so i will yeah it would be far better if i just like went and go and clean that pen at that moment but i don't do that because then i just put it in the bin i'm like there that's done that's future brian's problem um so i basically file it away let it pile up but i have some good approaches towards, all right, all right. towards what i do from there justify so, this madness please so if i do need a pen like for example like we'll, we'll be shooting a video or i'll have something i need to whatever i need to use that specific pen I'll, I'll go ahead and clean that pen that's fine i'll do that I'm not opposed to that, but it's just like, if there's no timeline to it whatsoever, I just throw it in the bin and don't worry about it. Um, but what I find tremendously helpful going with like the project mentality is I like to put on some kind of like passive entertainment, you know, whether it's a, I don't know, a, a TV show on Hulu or Netflix or something that I'm like sort of watching, but not deeply, you know, I'll, I'll put that on or say it's like reruns or something yeah. of something I've seen a bunch, but I the like office. it. I'll just put it on my phone, put it up above the sink and I'm cleaning pens as I'm just doing something passively. I'm not thinking as deeply that the time kind of like washes away and I clean my pens. And then when I get sick of it, I stop and I've, I'm looking, I'm like, oh, I cleaned eight pens while I watched an episode of The Office. That was enjoyable. And so it like takes some of the, the pain and burden out of the cleaning process. Um, so I do that. Um, but I also listen to a lot of podcasts. I do audiobooks. That's super helpful. I pretty much do passive like content with almost every like activity that I do around the house. Yes. Yeah, like, I don't think you're dishes, alone on that one. Cooking, landscape, you know, stuff, whatever, mowing the lawn, all that. I'm listening to so much stuff. So I have all these different podcasts and stuff that I listen to, and I find things like this. In fact, there's a lot of people that do at least with the old Q&As, and I'm sure with the PenCast too, mm -hmm. a lot of people are doing that specifically with this because nothing that we're saying is really that important or crucial. So <laughs> you can like halfway pay attention and you can clean all your pens while you do the PenCast. So uh, that's, that's a great option. Um, another thing, this is a different approach, may or may not work for everybody, but I find that like social engagement and or social like pressure slash reinforcement uh, encouragement can be helpful. So, you know, if I'm doing like a big project of like, cleaning out 10 pens or whatever. I'll like post a picture of all the dirty pens and then like post a picture on like say Instagram on, you know, like of all my pens that I've like taken apart and cleaned and it's a whole thing. Like that's kind of cool and it's engaging and people are usually like, oh my gosh, what pen is that? That's so cool. And you get a chance to talk about your pens and you know, so it's like kind of an engaging thing. I find that like the social element of that, I'm a little more extroverted. So that social element of it can make it a little more interesting, not make it feel like such like a burden of a task. And I guess it's a little bit of accountability too, because you're like, hey, I'm going to do this. Yeah. Well, I, for me, it's more like I'm already doing this. Or like, hey, I just cleaned a bunch of pens and I'll post like the before and after. Kind oh, of yeah, thing. But go. that could work too. If you know that like by throwing it out there, like I've got a bunch of pens to clean. And they've actually done psychological studies to show that if you tell people you're going to do something, you're actually less likely to do it because the like reward center of your brain, the dopamine is like, gives you a sense of satisfaction having just said that you're going to do it hmm. and you may actually be less likely to do it. Depends on you. You got to know yourself. You got to know your personality. That's not how I operate. If I tell people something, I then feel accountable and I'm more likely yeah. to do it. But I, believe, I would feel shame I if I that, didn't do it. I believe that most people, when they say they're going to do something, they're actually less likely to actually follow through. So hmm. know yourself, do that one. And then the last thing I have, this is really hyper-specific to me, but I've done it before successfully many times. Um, I will actually like go on Instagram live and live stream with you know other pen people that I know while I'm cleaning my pens. So that makes it a super engaging social event. People are asking questions. As I'm cleaning the pen, they're like seeing how I do it. Now, uh, granted, I'm a content creator and 
I have a lot of pen experience. It makes sense for me to do that. Is that for everybody? I don't know. You might have three people that are watching you do it, but you may get to know those three people and yeah. you may, you know, to loop it back to the first question, you could make some pen friends if you oh, like live stream some your video stuff. If you're see cool that doing coming. that. If you're cool doing that. You like how I brought that back around there? Full circle. So anyway, that's uh, those are my ideas for how to motivate yourself if you're like me and you can't just like clean your pens when you need to, like Drew does. But his approach I, is no, probably I, I, I know myself because I know that I am very bad at it, so I have to put walls on this. And those yeah. the three pen rule is these are different approaches. You know you're bad wall. at it, yeah. so you just do it quicker. I know I'm bad at it, so I just put it off. <laughs> so we're just both coping with so our you got you got two options. Two options. Awesome. All, All right. right, our next question comes these, to these us. These were the not deep questions. Now we're I know, to the, to I know. Hope you're okay. comfortable. Yep. You're going to do so many dishes today. Mm. Um, this next question. Hi, my name is Ivy, and I thought, and I had a thought the other day. Evie, Ivy, sorry. Mm. Um, these days, fountain pen friendly paper are made with sizing agents, either with chemicals infused throughout the paper or plastics like styrene, acrylic, polyurethane, etc. when mm. it is a coating. Mm. All of these methods are creations of modern-day technologies, but fountain pens, even pens that write with some kind of nib, go pretty far back. Mm -hmm. uh, we think a lot about vintage pens, but not often enough about vintage paper. So my question is, how did paper... Uh, people paper mm. how did people from the past get paper that didn't feather or bleed or didn't show through no ghosting etc what are um ancient fountain pen friendly papers made from so i think by ancient we're talking more like you know uh pre-1950s i guess you know when fountain pens were brand new uh yeah but uh yeah it's a pretty interesting question this mm -hmm. is the uh deep dive one that i didn't want to answer this is the deep one. and this is what brian added to our notes so i'm going yep. to go to bed as you're reading the question i was thinking of the uh dunder mifflin song the people people person paper people people, people. dunder mifflin the people person's paper people okay. no 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 uh, we're gonna get we're gonna get content stripping right, on that one so, um by singing the song no okay all right, Drew, take a, take a, take a lean back, take a snooze, because I got a lot to talk <laughs> about here. And actually, as you were reading the question again, I was like, oh, I, I didn't even go into that part of no! it. No! But I'm not going to. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, full disclaimer, this is going to be a long question. If you're totally bored by this entire topic, just skip to the next question. We have timestamps for that reason. Okay. I will definitely add timestamps. Uh, I also may and probably will go beyond what I actually know and what I'm talking about, and I may or may not realize it, so not only take a, a grain of salt, but lump a heap of salt over this whole topic. I'm gonna share with you what I think I know, and then you can either validate it or passively accept it and then move on with your life because it doesn't really matter, or you can dive in deeper and correct me. I'm cool with any of those options. Your preamble is longer than some questions we've answered now. Uh, well, this is what you're gonna get. This is old school Brian Q&A right here. Oh, when I man. didn't even have Drew and I was just drooling on and on. Okay. So the short answer to this question, this is the TLDR or the TLDL. Too long know. didn't Let's listen. Answer the question. Um, is that uh, there really is no ancient fountain pen friendly paper. Um, yeah, really like paper that you would write on with a fountain pen in general is, is really not ancient. It's like 120, 130 years old. Maybe you consider that ancient, but when you take it in the perspective of like how long humans have written things down, that's my little water bottle. Oh in my case God. You're wondering, it's like, it's ice. I thought ice. it was an, a bug or something. No, like. it's ice water in here. It's a little bubble that's like popping up. Anyway, I don't know if you can hear that on the mic, but clearly got Drew's attention. <laughs> I didn't know what um, that was. So 
yeah, there is no ancient fountain pen friendly paper. So I got to nuance that a little bit. Um, you know, papers, paper as we know it, you're talking basically like wood pulp paper, fairly new, especially in mass quantities available to like the general population. It's, it's, it's pretty new in the grand scope of human history. Um, writing as a whole has been an evolution. So I won't get super deep into it, but basically it's been a few thousand years of writing things down. Started out with things like cuneiform, which was like carved into like clay tablets. Of course, you had like the cave drawings with painting on rock, these types of things. You could you could get into any of these with, um, you know, what you define as a writing surface. Um, but paper really is is kind of wood pulp paper. So if you're talking about paper in its modern form, it really started uh, in China around 105 AD. So about 2000 years or so. Um, didn't spread outside of China until about the 8th century. Um, and so uh, there were other writing surfaces that were similar to that, like you had parchment, you had papyrus, you know, that's like reed-based, came out of like Egypt and stuff. Mm. Um, you had vellum, you know, things that were made of like animal skin, but none of them were like ground up wood or cotton pulp, like the cellulosic fiber pulp paper that that is the stuff that we're using and the stuff that m- mainly fountain pens are made for. Um, that That was really not popular until much more recently. Um, so the wood pulp paper and the automated machines used to produce it in mass quantities basically arrived around the time that fountain pens also came to be, around the mid-1800s. Uh, so there really wasn't a period where you had massive quantities of pulp-based paper, but no fountain pens or, or anything to write it on. So I would say like the evolution of the writing surfaces evolved like in tandem with the writing implements and the ink and things that were used. So we've talked before about like the trifecta of pen, ink, and paper. Right. Kind of the evolution of writing things down, there was a trifecta of pen, ink, and paper or whatever form that was that all kind of evolved together. So there was always that relationship there. Um, so this is where we could cut some stuff out if you want to drew i'm going to give you an out i'm going to let you i can go deep onto Q&A like muscles, my what friend. makes you go for it. like how wood pulp paper is made because i've been getting asked this for a long time i knew some of the basics but i went even deeper for myself than i have before and this is where it can get to deep nerd territory if you want to so I'm giving you an out. I'm letting you s- seal the fate of the people that are listening right now. All right. Well, let's do you want to go there or not? Let's let's stick to what IVEV wanted to know about okay. how were like when fountain pens were a thing before our modern chemicals were used. Okay. Why was it still fountain pen friendly, even though they did not have access to these modern treatments like we use today? Yeah. Uh, the truth of that is, I don't really know because the 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 way that we associate like modern fountain pen friendly ink paper, stuff like that, that wasn't really a thing back when fountain pens were first coming about in the early 1900s. That was really the heyday. So you think about like the history of writing things down. It was really for a pretty elite group of people for a long time. Even just like being able to read, being able to write, it was a pretty... It was, it was like a trade craft. It was for the aristocrats, the elites of most societies until, I don't know, the 1800s, it, you know, especially in Western uh, culture. Uh, it, it was not something that like 
became about until kind of the industrial revolution. Mm -hmm. So the idea of like education, being able to read, for every individual to have a writing implement and carrying it around with them, that was revolutionary around that time. And that's when fountain pens came about. Before that, you had dip pens, dip ink. You have, if you wanted to write something down, especially in a portable fashion, you had to have this like big box filled with all your implements. And most of your paper was probably like animal skin based. It was extremely laborious and expensive to produce. So nobody was like journaling out their thoughts of the day. Like you would correspond with a long lost family member, or you would write down important like business or government documents, religious documents and things like that. And that was kind of it. Unless you were like keeping a historical record of something really important, you were not just like writing casually because it was so expensive mm-hmm. and hard to do. So, so really there was only nice paper back then. There was no cheap, crappy paper because everything needed to be fountain pen friendly. It's hard very... to say because I don't have any of this stuff. You no, know what I mean? And like, yes, there are historical documents that are that old, the Constitution, and, you know, all the Declaration of Independence and all these types of things. For, but like those are on like parchment type paper. But again, those are like very official. They've been kept very well. I don't know what those were like to write on back then and that kind of thing. I don't think that most people like really thought about the writing experience back then. I think it was very utilitarian. It was pretty much like you had a task to do. Could the paper like hold up? Could it withstand? People weren't thinking like, oh, this feels kind of scratchy. Oh, there's ghosting on the back of this page. They didn't really think of it. Like to my knowledge, that was not really a concern at that time. Mm. It was like, I need to write this thing down. I need to communicate this piece of business so that I can do my proper accounting. Is it accomplishing that? Great. And that was kind of it. You know, it wasn't really a a romantic kind of thing like maybe we associate it to be. Uh, it was much more utilitarian. So I think as long as you're able to get the job done, you did it. Uh, and I think too, like maybe the misnomer with if you're thinking about 100 years ago or 150 years ago, the ink was very different back then. That's very, a good point. very different. So you didn't have the same modern fountain pen ink that was very flowy and shading and sheen and all this. It was pretty much like grind up oak galls to make iron gall ink. You had like pigment based, like China ink, India ink, sometimes called lawyer's ink. That was about it. Like you didn't have color options. It was black ink, and that was your only choice. And it was thick because it was previously used with reeds or quills or dip pens. So when fountain pens first started to come out, they were, for one, not very reliable. They leaked a lot, you know, so people carrying them around, it was like not the most convenient thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they gushed ink. They would, you know, because they were still figuring out the, the science behind how to make ink flow through a pen. And the ink itself varied a lot. And it was not mass produced for, especially at the beginning there in the late 1800s. Um, it, was not, it was not something that was nearly as standardized as today. A lot of people were making their own ink out of like natural materials. So it, it's, it's the properties themselves, you know, the thicker ink would not have feathered as much. Exactly. Yeah, that's you know what, what I mean? was thinking. Like right now everything's water-based and right. water inherently is going to absorb very quickly into, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of papers, most papers, unless it's got a heavy coating where it sits on top for a while. Right. And so back then, I mean, water-based is a pretty modern, you know, method of creating ink, right? I believe so. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I'm, uh, 
but you know, this is where I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Yeah, it's like what is modern? You know, I would say modern. Modern would be like since the fountain pen was invented. In terms of writing, modern is the last hundred and fifty years because right. that's when it really exploded and became available to the masses, so to speak. You know, you had like the printing press. You had ways to distribute and read, but individuals writing things down really didn't happen until the industrial revolution. So I think like it was very utilitarian at first. And then when you had the industrial revolution, the boom of chemistry and physics that happened in the early 1900s, that drastically improved paper, paper producing technology. It drastically improved pen technology and things like plastics and other like hard rubber, ebonite, these types of things. You had casein, bakelite, all these materials that were starting to come out in pens and ink as well, ink chemistry. Uh, these were all changing and starting to, um, you know, become more reliable, which then like, you know, more affordable. There were a lot more options. So I would say like, you know, really the whole fountain pen story is about, you know, modern writing uh, in its, you know, if, if you look at it in the grand scheme of things. Um, if you look at it really like since the invention of the fountain pen, there's been an evolution even from, you know, the materials that were used, the designs of the pens, but but really the ink has had, seen a huge difference um, as well as some of the paper. Now, I will say like paper-wise, I just don't know like decade by decade what paper was like in like the early 1900s and all that. There's just not a lot of solid information out there that I've been able to find. Maybe it's somewhere but not specifically related to how fountain pens performed with mm -hmm. it, you know, because back then it wasn't like fountain pens was like separated as this whole other class of thing. Like it is now fountain pens. They were just pens. That's just what people wrote with. Yeah. There were really no pen and pacer pa uh, pen and paper enthusiasts because it was such a utility more or less. Yeah. So it's like to find specific, maybe I'm wrong and maybe there's better information out there, but I'm not aware of it. Um, now, if we want to deep dive a little bit onto the actual manufacture of the paper, if you want to add anything, it's pretty you might fascinating. Guess. But I think we could be teetering on the edge of total boredom uh, for most people. But uh, I would say, related specifically to the question that was asked, talking about like sizing and coatings and stuff like that, you mentioned like okay, Evie, you mentioned like styrene, acrylic, polyurethane, all that kind of stuff. I don't even know how to approach this without going so deep. So I'm just going to go deep. Screw it. Okay. <laughs> that could have gone one so, or two ways. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to lean into it. Okay. So wood pulp paper, this is what we're talking about. So it's, it's paper that has some absorbency to it, right? As opposed to like limestone, like carving into limestone, right? Oh, right like that right. was like how things were done back in the Greek times and whatnot. Um, okay. So as all good researchers do, I looked it up on Wikipedia first um, to just talk about like, what is wood pulp paper? mainly because they phrase it well. Um, so timber resources used to make wood pulp are referred to as pulp wood. Did you know that, Drew? That, that makes sense. Uh, while in theory, any tree can be used for pulp making, coniferous trees are preferred because of the cellulose fibers in the pulp of these species are longer and therefore make stronger paper. Duh. Hmm. Some, of the <laughs> some of the most commonly used softwood trees for paper making include spruce, pine, fir, larch, and hemlock, and hardwoods such as eucalyptus, aspen and birch so just in case you were curious which trees might be used those are some of the best ones so it involves some sort of cellulose fiber often wood pulp but you can also make it out of like cotton and other other cellulosic materials um, lignin and hemicelluloses plus bleach and water and a number of other things depending on the process so this is where we start to fall down the hole 
grab on. All right, what makes some paper better than others? Okay, so it has to do with the type of wood itself. So like the quality of the wood, the species of the tree and so on, how it's refined, is the bark all taken off, these types of things. So like it's a natural material, right? So just like if you have, you know, denim jeans, you know, you have like your raw denim, like your really high grade or leather, like full grain, full hide, no defects, that kind of stuff. It's like there's different grades to it. You can have the same thing with paper. So garbage in, garbage out. You start with a high quality Hmm. pulp and you're going to get a better paper. That's part of it. The process used to make the pulp, I'm just going to list the names of the processes and not explain them because they're very boring. Mechanical, thermochemical, chemi-thermochemical, chemical, recycled or de-inked, organoslav or biopulping. Did you just say organoslav to me? Organoslav. Deal with it. So these are all wood pulp processing processes. Yes. Literally just for the pulp. Then... The amount of lignin or, you know, the, the, you know, it's a part of the wood pulp um, that's, that's removed, that's acidic. The more of that that's left in there, the more the paper is going to break down over time and it can affect the absorbency and stuff like that. The chemicals used for bleaching and neutralizing it, which if you have like high quality paper like Clairefontaine Rhodia, it's pH free, you know, pH neutral, sorry, acid free. That is going to help the paper last longer because if you have a high pH or a lot of acid in it, it's going to break down on its own. So anyway, if archivability is important to you, you want neutral, pH neutral and acid free. Um, the purity of the water is actually really important. There's a lot of water used. In fact, most paper mills are located like on a river or something like that. You're right. Um, yeah, that's because it takes a ton of water to oh. produce wood pulp paper. And the purity of that water actually has a huge influence on the quality of the paper. And they smell really yeah, bad. They do. Um, and, uh, you know, you want an absence of other contaminants in that water as well. So that has a lot to do with it. The, um, there's a calcium carbonate or chalk that can be added for neutrality. It also adds to the ink resistance and smoothness of the paper. So that's kind of another element that gets added to it, depending on how the paper is going to be used, et cetera. You add chalk to it. There are pigments that can be added that can color the paper, but also adds to some UV resistance of the paper. There are optical brightening agents as well, which add to some UV resistance and do some other things that I didn't feel like reading. And um, there's a there's a site called jacksonart.com that talks about, and this is where I pulled some of this from, um, to give them full credit, and we'll have a link to it in the show notes. Um, but that uh, really breaks down like some of the, some of the aspects of... Um, Uh, how nice paper is made as well. So their site says the amount of size used in paper making will alter the absorbency of the paper. Unless the paper is water leaf and completely absorbent, like blotter paper, you know, you've seen blotting paper, Mm -hmm. or like if you have a Tomoe River and like the first page on the the, um, pad, you know, like the pads, there's like a one page of it that's blotter paper. Anyway, okay. so blotter paper is very absorbent because there's no sizing. Um, anyway, most fine art papers, uh, both soft size, which is quite absorbent, or uh, like cotton and wood-based relief print papers, and hard size, which is much less absorbent, like most fountain pen friendly paper, hard sizing is less absorbent, um, uh, will have a degree of internal sizing. So this is usually made of a methyl cellulose or alkyl ketene dimer. Let's, let's pretend one of us doesn't know what sizing is. Okay. Sizing, it's literally just a term used for like the stuff that's put in paper. It's sort of like a, I guess it's a coating, but it's like a, it's like a, it's like a, chemical, I guess, or something that's added to the paper to, to give it. So does it have anything to do with 
It's nothing to do with Dimensions. like how big something is. No, so, no, it's okay. a different. It's a different term. Okay. So think of it in terms of like if you're if you're adding like flour to bake a cake, it's like the flour to the cake, you know, uh, uh, recipe. So like the primary component. It's a pretty important component. Okay. Yeah, flowers. The amount important. of sizing you have will drastically impact how the paper performs. Okay. Um, yeah. Good question though. Uh, I would explain it better if I understood it better. Um, external sizing. So that's so that's when you like mix it in. External sizing is when the formed paper sheets are soaked in a tub of gelatine made from animal bones and hides, modified vegetable starch, potato, rice, or wheat, or acrylic coke polymer to form a water-repellent film on the surface of the paper. So you can add these like water-resistant properties inside when you make the stuff to give it some like you know, ink repellent kind of properties. And you can also basically like coat it with the stuff to get, to give like an even more water resistance thing, depending on what it's going to be used for. Like watercolor paper, for example, you want like complete ink resistance because you want the stuff to sit on the surface. So you would do like internal and external sizing. Fountain pen paper, you can have a mixture of any of these mm-hmm. things. And what's wonderful about the fountain pen world is no manufacturer says any of this stuff. <laughs> and like nobody classifies yeah. any of it. Maybe they say pH neutral and acid free. Maybe. Maybe they call it water water uh, color. And maybe they say fountain pen friendly or ink resistant. That's about all you're going to get. Yeah. Along with like a paper weight. So that's pretty much what's going on when it comes to the manufacture of paper. It's super complex and it's really variable and it's extremely expensive, resource consuming, time consuming to produce any type of paper. And basically fountain pens are not anyone's reason why paper is made. We are pretty much dealing with like what's already made out there. How do we take from that and turn it into a fountain pen friendly product. So there is no paper mill in the world, I would be willing to bet, maybe Claire Fontaine. There's nobody in the world that's thinking like, let's make this good for fountain pens. Yeah. Because it's such a small portion worldwide of total paper usage that it's like not even like a blip on their radar. So going recently with the Tomoe River changes that we're dealing with, that right. everybody's talking about, it's like a total afterthought for the company that makes that paper it's such a small portion it's like the scraps of the scraps of the scraps to them because it has to be produced in such large quantities um that you know it's just not something that's primarily being designed with fountain pen inks and stuff like that in mind so we're left kind of like having to make assumptions having to get not that great information partial information we can talk about the principles of how paper is made and all these things but i could not tell you any of the papers that we carry what the sizing is what it's made of just about anything and even like being in the business trying to ask questions about this i'm not talking to like the paper engineers at the mills like where are so many steps removed from the raw manufacture of this paper that even we can't really get good answers for you. So it's, we're kind of all just left to like, well, we don't really know what it is, so let's just test it out and see what we all agree is the better paper. And then when it changes, we're all just left scrambling, wondering why and what to do about it, like we are with Tomoe right now. Yeah, And uh, that's the best we can do. That's all I got for you. There's uh, your deep dive. All right. Is that too painful? Um, no. Did we find our limit? Did we find the limit of where we should go on a question? Oh, oh well, I, I, I was done right before you said <laughs> now comes the deep dive. I thought that, you know, 
So, uh, yeah, let us know your thoughts on that, whether or not Brian was uh, accurate on any of that or whether or not he was just talking about a bunch of uh, pulp fiction. <laughs> well done, sir. Well right. done, sir. Um, All right. I was thinking I was ready for that like 30 minutes ago. You heard me. Um, you heard me talk a lot. But now I got now I got something really important, really deep to talk about All right. for Drew. All right. Vince says, I couldn't agree more with Drew that dots are overrated. There you go. Got some support there. Thanks, Vince. However, sour dots are fantastic. Try them. Okay. It poses the question, is there one version of a candy that you hate, but another version that you love? I guess the same could go with pens. Yeah, absolutely. The first thing that comes to mind is uh, Twizzlers. You know, they're very different. Red Twizzlers are delicious and wonderful yeah. and perfect. And black Twizzlers are like just straight up licorice and they're heinous and yeah. Deserve. You know, there's no there's some, no love loss for licorice around here. No, no, awful. You and I both awful. Hate it. Um, it's yep. it's. Uh, I I suspect it's uh more welcomed in uh, European countries. They uh, tolerate licorice at greater extents over the pond. But uh, yeah. yeah, right here where I'm sitting, it is not welcome. Uh, as far <laughs> as pens go, the sailor. Um, I absolutely love the Pro Gear, Pro Gear mm. Slim, whatever, flat top all day long. Um, nineteen eleven, don't care. Not even gonna look at you. Gonna move on. Don't even notice you. You are you are we're ships passing in the night and it's don't, so weird. Don't even acknowledge it. But I'm Why? all about some pro gear. PGS. It's not that different of a pen. Well, that's what the question is though, right? No, I'm just I'm I'm befuddled. Eh? Is it the medallion at the top? Is that what like does it? Or is it uh, just it's the... just it's the profile. I like flat tops better. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. What about you? Um, I thought about the candy part, but I didn't think about the pen part. <laughs> I kind of overlooked that one. I was so busy nerding out about paper mills. You don't say. Um, yeah, mine is kind of a similar answer to yours, Drew. I mine also was a like dislove for black licorice. Uh, so mine fell into like one candy, which is jelly beans. So for me, eating like just conventional like jelly belly yeah. jelly beans eat whatever have fun yum like, yum if it's kind of dark like i'm not going to take a risk is that grape or is that black licorice right. i'm not risking it you don't even try no i only want to try because half the time i think i know <laughs> and then it's black licorice and it's gross I know. and you can't get that taste out of your mouth I know. and then the next like three jelly beans are ruined yes you're so right. it's like no you're right literally both my kids rachel they love black licorice so i'm just going to give it to them i'm just going to be fat and happy with my non-black licorice <laughs> um so that that's what came to mind for me it was the the Jelly belly That's thing. good. You know, you know. I just realized this. There was one of the YouTube comments um, after the dots debacle last time. Someone said, "Well, you know what? At least they're dots and not those awful sugar candy things stuck to the paper." And you know what I said to them? What I said? Well, you know who likes those? <laughs> Wait, which one's the paper? Oh, you talking like the like you, the like dot matrix like paper printed stuff? No, yeah, the the. the yeah, it's, it's like that's on the paper and you peel it off and the paper is still... I think it's literally just called candy dots or something like that. And you that. love them. I don't say I love you, them. When, 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 did, when did you get so You got some when we like... I got some somewhere. recently, yeah. Yeah. So, okay, Drew and I... Well, yeah, you, Drew you and buy, I go you way buy back. them. I, like, I have bought them. <laughs> I think the last time I bought it, I was at Cracker Barrel, which yeah. is the place you go to to buy the weird candy. That's the only place dots should be next to those that was, awful that paper That was your things. argument. Like right between yeah. the paper little funky things and the yeah. wax bottles of juice. No, I remember this is going to be a weird, obscure memory, but whatever. Everybody's already skipped so <laughs> yeah, far ahead no, to done. get past the paper question. Um, so Drew and I went to elementary school together. I remember we went on a field trip to Monticello in third grade. Gotta be in Monticello. And I remember like 
very little of that trip other than the gift shop, which is you're in third grade. Where you buy the giant coin. I bought the giant, (laughs) giant nickel coin that has Thomas Jefferson on it and those paper candy dots. And that was like the best for me. I still have that coin, by the way. Nice. And the dots are long gone. But (laughs) I just, I guess that was the first time I had it or whatever. I just like, I only had like limited funds. So you're looking around the gift shop as a kid and you're like, what can I buy? I want some candy and I want a souvenir. So those are the things I bought. So now I like forever associate those stupid paper dot candies with like going to Monticello in third grade. That's funny. Go figure. Yeah, it just popped into my head because someone mentioned it. I'm like, you know what? Brian can get down on some of those paper dot things. I will say they don't taste as good as an adult. They're not that great. They taste like paper. Um, And paper always gets stuck to them. You can't avoid that. Yeah. Um, Okay, so uh, Tom on Instagram asks us, how long have you guys known each other, and how come you have such great chemistry? Oh, that was a <laughs> good segue, talking about Monticello. Yeah, we've known each other for quite a while. Um, second grade? First? What's funny is, like, I always thought that we knew each other since third grade, but then you, like, pulled up a picture of our second grade class, and yeah. we were in the same class. Yeah, we were there. And I was like, oh, I guess we've known each other yeah. since second grade. The real winner is the <laughs> fifth or fourth grade one, where I'm in the denim shirt with the bolo tie and oh, you're yeah. in that badass like oh, you're silver in a, and pink you're in like a breaker. canadian tuxedo i think you're oh, all yeah, denim awful yeah but you looked awesome with that like pink light blue and silver wind it was like, like a, it was like, like, like a patchwork neon and silver yeah, that was, jacket that was solid like knockoff starter jacket that was weird. and then everybody was unhappy like nobody was oh, yeah. smiling those kids. i think you had a some kind of a bowl cut and i oh yeah i for sure you can't see it in the picture but for sure i had a rat tail that was probably eight <laughs> inches long in that picture <laughs> Oh god! I don't know why no one had a rat tail. It was not a cool hair. There was style. one other kid. You and there was one kid other named kid. Jimmy. Yeah. I don't remember what what his yeah. last name was, but yeah, yeah, we've known each other for a while. Um, why? Like, I don't know why I wanted a rat tail as a kid. I had it from like kindergarten to fifth grade. Like, I was going into sixth grade, and my my mom was literally like, I think it was thirteen inches when I cut it off. Good God! I don't know. Why. I I to this day I don't know why I wanted a rat that's, tail that, so much. That's a that's a. That's a danger in hand-to-hand combat. Someone could grab a hold of that thing and I did. And over. you know what? There was another kid at our school. We're getting real serious now. There's another kid at our school. There were like three of us that had rat tails in the whole school. There was one other kid who would always pull my rat tail. He'd be like having lunch or whatever. He'd be in the lunch line. He'd come over and pull my rat tail. And I'm like, dude, of all the people who should know, <laughs> you know how uncool is. that is, why are you another rattillion child? <laughs> why are you pulling my rat tail? For those who don't know, a rat tail, it's sort of like a mullet, except it's literally just like one skinny little like piece of hair that like comes out of their back. I don't know why I wanted this. And my parents let me do it because my parents were cool, but they also like my mom when I was going into sixth grade, which is funny because Joseph is that age now. My mom was like, Brian, you've you've got to either. She's like, you either have to. I think she did this because she knew that I would get rid of it. She was like, you either have to braid it or you have to cut it off. And I was like, I'm not braiding it. That's not cool. No, that's not like the nat- <laughs> the natural look that I'm going for, the, you know, whatever. Oh, so, natural. So I cut it off. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the uh, fellow reptilians should be like, you know, like like Jeep owners. <laughs> like, you know, hey, what's up? You got a Jeep. I got a Jeep, too. You know, but no, that's that's blatant disrespect. That's a betrayal. I, was, I guess it was like the youth of my like trying, trying to like, I don't know, not be a trendsetter because I'm definitely not. But like. I don't know. Trying to find like a tribe, a community, and it just—I don't know if cargo shorts attempt. ever come back. You're going to be—they uh, might build a statue of you. I—I I liked cargo shorts even at that age. I had some like camo, like <laughs> faux military, like BDU type pants that had cargo pockets on them. I 
never wanted to take them off. I remember many times my mother was like, I need you to take those pants off so I can wash them. Like, and then she would wash them. I put them right back on. And now, now I have kids and it's like, like I do that stuff. I'm like, what is wrong? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I did the same thing as a kid. Oh, okay. I get it. Oh my God. That's cool. Well, anyway, we've known each other for a long time. I knew Rattail Brian. I knew Black Hoodie Brian from middle school. I knew Swishy mm. Pants Brian, who uh, in high school had his stuff way more together than I did. We hung out less in high school because I mm. was I didn't get mature until like you know you had a look about you in high tomorrow school. maybe. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I was doing this whole like uh, wrestling T-shirt. Like I'd do like an NWO black T-shirt with a Hawaiian shirt unbuttoned over top of it. Mm-hmm. I was very cool. Pretty much you had long hair king. too. You had like shoulder. Yeah, hair no, I looked yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, very. It was just well respected by everybody. Oh, yeah. um, but uh, no, no, no. So Brian was like, you know, organizing clubs and stuff, and I was just like, hey, pay attention to me. I'm super annoying. So um, he was still super and nice. A, and you had a camera. Still, like, yeah, that I was a camcorder. Like, I was like, with the camcorder. I was that nerd. School? Yeah, um, back totally. when the pe- teachers were like, oh, is this okay? Should I allow this? I don't know. You know, truth um, be told, I don't know if I've ever told you this, true, but I actually thought that was kind of cool. Well, you thank would, you. Like carry a camera around because I was like, I knew that you liked video and like you had that, and I like I appreciated like that creative kind of thing and I was like that's cool that you're like walking around with a camera doing your video thing like I respected that and now I have time. a box of like 50 random tapes of high school nonsense that I will <laughs> never do anything with so yep. yay for that um, but then uh, we reconnected a while later you were turning wood pens mm-hmm. you made me mm-hmm. some pens for my groomsman's gifts when I got married in 2008 yeah I mean this was what like almost a decade out of school yeah like, yeah yeah this is a while later yeah there's a big, big gap big we really gap hadn't there. kept in touch yeah no um and then uh you made the pens that was cool we hung mm-hmm. out um rachel and uh, my wife shannon helped uh make our wedding favors together because we pretty much did the whole thing ourselves and then yep. uh after that you had, you switched over from making pens to retailing pens yeah you had a job opening i had a job that was pretty much just the seventh layer of hell so i was like yes please 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 you're like please hire me i'll do anything you're in your garage i don't want to sell houses anymore i don't care yes please um yeah and uh yeah it was just all downhill from there but like, one, one of the things that i think that does you know allow me the opportunity to give him a hard time every now and then to have good chemistry here is because he's always been very very real with me like forever you know brian's not a guy who maybe makes too sure. real most of the time yeah well i mean hey both of us are people who you know we're pretty genuine like honestly what you see here is what you'd see if you met us in person we don't yeah. have like a different a, 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 we don't have a secret identity or you know something we turn off and on so um that's one thing i appreciate about you and even as a leader brian's always been very very transparent he's he very much values transparency and honesty so mm-hmm. um he doesn't have to figure me out i don't have to figure him out if you know, I have a pretty good idea of when I can be silly and goofy, and when we kind of need to switch gears to you know get some stuff done. Yeah. So that that I think is born out of just total transparency and honesty overall. Yeah, I would say the same goes for me. You know, is that same kind of thing? Like, what you see is what you get. Like, yeah. I, I knew exactly who you were. Yep. You know, you didn't have like a particularly like special unique skill set, but nope. at the same time, like we didn't quite know what we were doing or what we were going to need. So like the fact that you were like enthusiastic and gung ho and like able to figure things out and learn on the fly, that was like the best. And like our chemistry was good. Like there's a certain element of like, we just kind of get along. And when Mm -hmm. you're literally like 
working in our house with our one-year-old crawling around. Well, like, back back then, that's you we, just that needed somebody you could trust. Like you were, it was yeah. very very new, and I started doing things that up until that point only you had done. Right. Um, like label packages. Brian was the only person doing that at the time. Yeah. And him turning that over to somebody was a big freaking deal. Yeah. Um, and he's like, all right, you know, I haven't, you know, I mean, I made this guy some pens, but like really haven't talked to this guy in high school. And back in high school, it was pretty weird. But um, but he's he's not a bad dude. He's a trustworthy guy. So I'm like, hey, that's fine. If that's what's what I got going for me, then that yeah. works. So yeah. yeah um, and then it was just like step by step from there. If I had been a terrible person to work with, I'm sure you would have found something else. If you had been a complete goof off and not been helpful, I'm sure we would part of ways as well. Yes, but absolutely. like we both had a good like mutual respect for each other always wanted to work together and now obviously you've you, you've worked in the fulfillment team you've done customer care now you're more on the marketing side of things doing the video stuff and like you've been able to adapt and change in different ways because again i think we have that good chemistry openness yeah. honesty and at the, at the bottom of it you really just you love the work you do and you want to do a good job at whatever it is and yeah. you're you're able to figure it out which has worked out great yeah it really works out and you know so um yeah that's pretty much the uh, the gist of it there you have it all right. Do we got more? Yeah, we do. Oh, my gosh. Unless you want to skip some of these. No. We can do a lightning round, too, if you want. We could go a little lightning. I, I definitely have, like, prepared less for these other questions. Great. Again, the paper mill one really <laughs> took a lot out of me. Okay. <laughs> took a lot out of me. All right, here we go. Oh, a nice light question from Calligraphy. How is your perception on fountain pens and their use in place Wait, sorry. How has your perception on fountain pens, their use, and place changed over the years? I'll I'll, I'll start, and then you can think <laughs> okay. while I'm talking. Okay. Um, so my <laughs> the first thing that came to my mind, uh, calligraphy, calligraphy, get it? Um, clever. It's clever. Yeah. The first thing that came to my mind was I've become a lot more accepting of different writing experiences with pens. So I've had to troubleshoot a lot of pens in my 10 years here, and I've had to get used to, well, I, don't know, I haven't had to get used to, but honestly, it has allowed me to get used to writing with a wide variety of nibs, uh, some that are very imperfect. Honestly, I can pick up just about any pen, and as long as it's not straight up defective, if it's like got some quirks to it, I don't care. I can, you know, adjust my hand positioning fine. That doesn't bother me at all. Mm -hmm. If it hard starts, if it, it's a little dry, like, all right, whatever, I'll deal with it. Um, so I've become way less picky about that sort of thing just because mm -hmm. I've needed to adapt a lot to, you know, getting certain things to work. Mm -hmm. um, the downside to that is that when I am in a position of, you know, customer service, I need to be picky. I need to kind of switch gears a little bit into the, you know, put myself in the customer's position. Like, okay, this needs to mm -hmm. perform at a certain level. Okay. Don't just be cool, Drew, you know, like just, okay, yeah, well, I ordered this without mayonnaise, but that's fine. I hate mayonnaise, but I'll eat it. Like, no, you're, this is for a customer. You need to, you know, um, so that, that's been an interesting mm. challenge. Mm. Um, and apart from that, in speaking with customers for years and years and years, I've come to realize that something I didn't realize, obviously, when I started this journey was just how much pens and the pen community can mean to an individual. Mm. And, you know, everybody has a different um, allotment that the fountain pen hobby or one singular pen makes up uh, in their life. For some of us, it's like a solid 15%. For some, it's a one. For some, it's 80%. 80 mm -hmm. um, and it's you never know. And it often surprises me just how much this can hold. And sometimes it's different. Sometimes, you know, under normal circumstances, the hobby, the pen itself, or even one pen in one shipment can be, you know, not a big deal. 20%. Yeah, oh, it's running late. Okay, cool, whatever. 
but then due to life circumstances, sometimes it becomes a much you know larger portion of what's going on in that person's life and mm. how much that means to them. And it can also all of a sudden become 80% and reaching that understanding and under and appreciating the gravity that the hobby, the pen, the community, everything can mean and influence to a person was a big revelation to me. And mm. um, one that I appreciate, you know, being a part of, because that means that if done right, I can really make a positive impact on folks. That's very well said. Um, mine's similar to that. I, I echo a lot of what you say there. I think for me, I'm, as you're talking about these things, I think actually I'm kind of surprised with my own personal experience how little has actually changed mm. of my perception of fountain pens in the community. I'm, obviously, I know so much more now and have relationships with vendors and understand brands and customers and details of how the pens are made and all these things like it's been 12 plus years of deep, deep, deep diving into every aspect of clearly of fountain pens. Um, but so much of that, it like it just, it really just like adds like color and shading to the initial image of what I perceived like the fountain shading, pens in the nice. pen community to be. Yeah. Uh, I guess if that's how I describe it. So like I had, you know, kind of a rough image and it's not like, oh my gosh, there's this whole other like thing of fountain pens that I wasn't even aware of. It's just like it's added more depth and color and vibrancy to the image that I originally had when I first got into the hobby uh, now. So it's like, it's just a much richer experience for me. I appreciate so much more the, you know, just understanding the manufacturers and what they have to go through to be able to produce these products. For sure. So many of them, so many of them are either family-based companies or even if they're a larger corporation like Pilot, for example, the fountain pens, they could stop making fountain pens tomorrow and the company would just keep on ticking yes. just fine. It's a small but it's, portion. It's like the heart and soul of what that company started out doing over a hundred years ago. So they just absolutely love it. And so I think there's like a heart and soul to the manufacturing side that's deeper than I knew or appreciated, but it totally makes sense to me and it's congruent with the passion for that pretty most fountain pen retailers have that most distributors have that most customers have like there's really this underlying enthusiasm and passion for the products themselves but the community as a whole and it's just like almost like nothing else i've ever seen but like i literally saw that in 2009 mm -hmm. when i like went to the dc show and it wasn't even anything specifically about that show but just from what i'd researched online what i knew and i saw i just like kind of felt it yeah and it was just like this is it like there's, there's something here and i need to figure out what this is and basically for the last 12 plus years i've been figuring out what it is and it's just like i've been defining more what it is that feeling i had 12 years ago you're which right is, which has been pretty amazing yeah and it's a weird thing to be there's, like there's have such a... clarity about something without really being able to explain it but that's a hundred percent how it's been so that's been really cool um, and so then for me, I guess like the perception of fountain pens, even just thinking about like, obviously social media, like <laughs> there's a lot that's changing in the world about, yeah. you know, handwriting and all communication, all these types of things. So when I look at it at that level, it's like, okay, there's a lot we could get into on that. But at the same time, when I really take a step back, it's all kind of the same. Like people use it because they love it. I think I, I agree with what you said, Drew, like the number of people that are actually using their pens for like things that are so much deeper and more meaningful than what I could have possibly realized. Yeah. You know, I've literally met people and they said, you know, my, my fiance was deeply depressed 
had attempted suicide three times and I did not know if I was going to, you know, have him in my life anymore. And I discovered your videos. We got into writing. He was able to journal through all his stuff. And now he's like coming back and he's in like fountain pens have like saved his life and saved our marriage. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like I've heard many stories like that yeah. that are that deep. And I'm just like, we're just like being goofy and talking pens and stuff, but it's like so many of people's lives having like that kind of impact over the years and hearing those stories. You're just like, Oh boy, this is like, this is like really important to a lot of people. And that like, take that very, very seriously. So and I'm like 2020 really honored by that. In 2020, you know, the customer care team here saw that more than ever, you know, because yeah. you have certain elements removed from your life uh, without your permission, you know, mm-hmm. say a global pandemic takes away a good mm-hmm. portion of you know, at least temporarily, perhaps, of the things that you find joy in in your life. And then, but you still got the pens, you know, yeah. and that becomes a greater percentage, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, as a retailer, as somebody who is dedicated, you know, to serving that, you know, you need to understand the gravity of that. It helps yeah. you not only serve better, but to take it seriously and to appreciate, you know, your role within the industry and to not take, you know, that uh that role for granted there you go very cool nice lighthearted question there yeah thank you we can go through the last couple uh, pretty quickly okay um lace floral on instagram asks best ways for getting ink out of caps uh clean it yes that'd be my answer lots of water lots of pressure (laughs) uh you know, I, I like to stick a, <laughs> uh, a blunt tip syringe that we sell mm-hmm. um, down in it, and if it's got an inner, flush it out. Yeah, yeah, and if it's got an inner cap, I kind of like just like point it toward the edge of the mm. inner cap, like right between the wall of the cap and the okay. inner cap, and I can usually flush it out. Sometimes you can get the inner cap out. Uh, there's lots of different ways to do that, depending on which inner cap. Yeah, it is. I was gonna say most inner caps are just friction fit. Most, yeah. uh, it's particularly if you're talking about like a demonstrator pen, where you like you can you can see through the cap material. And it's like, even if you get water and even if you flush out the ink, you see like the water, like, yeah. kind of like in between the inner cap and the, the cap part. And you're just like, ah, this yeah. needs to not be there. So if you take a, on most pens, if you take like just a number two pencil or something about that shape and like wrap a rubber band around the end to give it a little bit of grip, you can kind of like shove it in there. You can usually give it some pressure and pull that insert out. That's, that's often all that it takes. Yeah. Pilot prayer is a little bit different. It needs a screwdriver. I think that's or, yeah. the only one I've ever needed like an actual tool to get it out. But the pencil trick works on most pens. Yeah. Twisby's, uh, Pilot Custom 74. Um, yeah. Yeah. Those for sure. Lots of water. And if you do have an issue like that where you've got water in there, mm-hmm. just let it air dry. It'll evaporate yeah. eventually. Oftentimes what I use, I just use a wet Q-tip and then I just Q-tip out the cap. I don't yep. like flush the whole thing with water, especially if it's got the inner cap thing and it's not like, yeah. if ink's not behind the inner cap, I'll just take like not a sopping wet, but a sort of wet Q-tip and I'll go in there and, and get that a couple times. That That's often all I need. Cool. All right. Uh, Tom Buplo. Buplo? I just called him Tom earlier. This is the second Tom question. Oh, Buplo. B-E-A-U-P-L-O. Buplo. <laughs> what is your favorite pen accessory? Um, for me, undoubtedly, it's the bulb syringe. That thing is, yep. if I had to Same. have no other accessory than the bulb syringe, that thing is a lifesaver. So, Still the best accessory. Yeah, I mean, it, it is objectively the best. Might not be yeah. the prettiest or the most fun, but if you've got to have one accessory, it's... Well, I think it's fun. I think it's a lot of fun. <laughs> it can be fun. It's definitely fun. Yeah. Especially when you like put it on the bulb syringe, you're like sort of half paying attention and you're like not holding the grip of the pen and you like go shooting the grip off with the pressure and of the bulb destroy syringe. your nib. I've done that a number of times. Oh. I've never actually damaged the nib doing that though. Oh. Funny enough. 
that terrifies but me. But for sure, the risk is there. Yeah. Yeah, you shouldn't do that. So yeah. But I've done that. Bulb syringe, the best. Bulb syringe. I like ink, ink syringes too. Um, and I've got a soft spot for sealing wax. I did some sealing wax videos like earliest Goulet videos. I did a whole bunch of them and like no one cared. I did. Then, like, I did a sealing almost wax. Almost no one does sealing wax. But isn't it so satisfying? I did one last week and oh my God, I love it. It's fun. So it's really great. I, I don't know if you'd consider that like a fountain pen accessory. It's maybe in its own class, but it's something oddly satisfying. About yeah. Oh, very wax. satisfying. There you go. That's all what, right. That's it for that. And that's that. We get to move on to the hypothetical, Brian. All right. All right. You ready for that? I guess. I don't right. know. I don't know what Drew's picked out. All right. But we'll um, I feel I've like I've asked you this one like years ago. Um, so, uh, you know, you might, it might sound familiar. Okay. okay. Hypothetical, Brian. Hmm. If you could, you know, we, we talked about the Matrix earlier, so we're going we're gonna to stick on that theme unintentionally. Okay. If you could stick that little thing with Bob in the back of your head and upload mm. a, an expert level skill mm. to your brain, um, what would it be? Now, your body is not going to change. Technically, this would be a download, not an upload. But anyway, go ahead. Uploading will be a five. That's true. Put it from true. my brain into the matrix. Well, it depends on whether or not you consider your mm-hmm. head the brain. I don't know that I have expert level I mean, if you're, anything if you're, to upload. You but. might you might be the computer in this case. being Something being uploaded into your brain. Anyway. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> upload one. I always one, have to hassle Drew on these hypotheticals. Upload, download <laughs> one expert level skill into your, uh, into your brain. Mm. Your body does not change. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's as if mm-hmm. you've gone through the mental training. So like instinct mm. and reaction time will be improved. Mm. So I wouldn't like necessarily be able to like lift a car. Correct. Or anything because my muscles wouldn't be capable. Correct. Of but let, let's say that, mm. you know, you were, you know, a, you wanted to be able to do, you know, the, the, um, the pole vault, like you would know exactly the smallest approach, yeah. but you'd, you'd probably need, you know, to, you know, yeah. work out those legs a little bit, get that. Funny you enough, know. I did pole vaulting in high school and I would. I was pretty much flopping around. I was not very good at it. I could only do it for one season because I outgrew the weight of the pole and they didn't want to buy a heavier pole for me. I think we just found the name of the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much just flopping around. Pretty much just flopping around. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) I don't know why I think that's so funny. It's kind of, it's scary. Pole vaulting is kind of scary because you have, it's one of those things that if you do it half-heartedly, you're going to hurt yourself more. You have to just go for it. But until you really know what you're doing, it's hard to go for it. Anyway, I'm just that you're, the, you're really amused by that, aren't the you? The mental image of someone just flopping around in a pole—it's like, pretty much what happens. Have you ever seen like, like you dig it in the pole? Like, have, you seen, like back? have you ever seen high schoolers pole vaulting? It's you're pretty much flopping around. <laughs> what was your question again? Downloading a downloading a unique skill, yeah. an expert skill, into my brain. Oh, let's see here. I immediately one. went to practical skills. Like I'm terrified of mm. water issues in my home as a homeowner. Like, you know, plumbing issues are the most terrifying thing in the world. Water damage mm. is mm-hmm. like worse mm-hmm. than, you know, being afraid of great whites if you're swimming in the ocean. Um, mm. So I'm like plumbing. Like, do I want to be like an expert level plumber? Like maybe because mm. that sucks. That, um, is, that would be good. Skill. Also appliance repair. Like, you know, Mm. And crap always breaks and yeah. like you're like oh god do I could need you to buy have any- like 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 handy skills like being able to fix stuff like you could put all that into one category I feel like that's one skill no or do you have to classify it would you like no no a plumber is, is not like, going to also be an appliance technician why couldn't you 
plumbers a, there's a there's appliances those, those, and plumbing. If those were if those were download discs, those would be on separate files, Brian. Okay, this is where we have to clarify the hypothetical I'm, here. Yes, I'm clarifying. Because I'm thinking for you. like I'm thinking like you go to Home Depot, just like download the ability to use any of the stuff in that store. You're talking like buy like department within yes. the store. Okay. Yes. I wanted to go a little broader, but okay. I'm sure you did. Hmm. Um <laughs> So like hypothetically, one of the things that's running through my mind is I I tried, I took like five years of foreign, like six, five, six years of foreign languages. Can't remember a word of it. So yeah. My brain doesn't work counts. like that. W- would I be able to say like, no, like be able to speak f- foreign languages? No. Nope. Would you make me stick to one language? Stick to one. Ah. They're going to be on different disks or whatever. Files. So you're only, only going to be able to download like one file. Yeah. Gosh. Mm. Unless you want to, you, you could go another route like, you know, mixed martial arts would encompass several disciplines. You wouldn't be able, you mm-hmm, wouldn't be an expert mm-hmm. level like boxer, but you'll be a pretty good boxer because it's mixed, mixed martial arts and that mm-hmm, contains mm-hmm, boxing. Mm-hmm. So oh, that man, you, could, you, could, you could get away with it and all that. Um, I'm not going to say mine because you're going to copy me. So I'm going to wait until you say one. Oh, well, yeah, I might. You're on a roll today. So you've had a lot of good answers. Um well, I've had time to think about this one. That's true. Well, I have too, apparently, because you've asked me this before. Um, I like the being able to fix stuff, but I'm kind of handy and I can fix a lot of stuff anyway. Yeah, and there's YouTube. Um, and there's YouTube. So I sort of already have that, sort of. That's not like a huge blind spot of mine. Um, gosh. How about skill. curling? I know you like curling. That is not a particularly helpful skill. <laughs> um, I don't even know that there's a place to curl in <laughs> Richmond, Virginia. No, you've got a big um, backyard. You know what? I would say I would say memorization. I don't have a great rote memory. Okay, yeah. Like so, you'd like Rachel Goulet like, era expert level memorization. Rachel is like ridiculously <laughs> good at remembering things. Yep. Like dates, names, the, lo- the logo for the memorization things. program is just like her face. <laughs> yeah, like if I could have all that without like the bad side of it, like not ever being able to forget things that you would like to forget right 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 like that's the downside of it um yeah if i had if i had more of her memory she would probably have less anxiety because she wouldn't have to try to remember everything for the entire family (laughs) that's a very Um, that's a very caring super practical and i would also it would help me a lot too because i forget half of the things in my life and then have to do them again okay you ready to change your mind and steal mine let's see see how good it is nib grinding oh that's a good one that's a good one Expert level nib grinding. Expert level nib grinding. Yeah. Mm. That would be helpful. I feel like you could achieve that though on your own. I it could, but I don't time. want to. It takes a lot. Yeah, of time. I want to be there. I don't want to get time. there. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. There we go. Um hmm. instead of uh benderize, it'd be like brown brownify. Brownify. Brownerize. Brownerate. Bro not not to bash on your name, but <laughs> The word brown seldom is like a marketable yeah, term no. that makes people think that is what I want. Well, I'm taking it back. You, taking you it should. Back. You Making should, it Drew. Cool. I, you are an advocate for brown things. <laughs> yeah. Like yourself as well as like brown pens, brown, you know. Brown ink, yeah. Yeah, brilliant brown, vibrant brown. There these you are go. all These are all apt words in They're your vocabulary. All, they are all apt words. You know, it doesn't always resonate with the greater community, but yeah, mm-hmm. maybe maybe that could be your, yeah. that could be your greater purpose. There you go. Bring, bring brown to the forefront. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, I'm thinking uh, a line whatever. of women's fragrances first, just like mm. brown. 
the ladies and be like, yeah, that. It's just brown. Brown. Yeah. Fragrances are not the place I would go to. No. Like maybe plungers. Like a brown liquid you spray on yourself. That just does, it looks like you like spraying yourself with dirty water. Like All right. no, sorry. I don't know. <gasps> We're done with the hypothetical at least. There yeah. we go for that. All right. Um do you want to skip the hot take or do you want to do it? We've let's, been, let's do it because we've already talked a lot about paper. I feel like it's right. fitting. And this oh, is not going to be like a super electrifying yeah, right. hot take. All right. So Drew asked me to do a hot take. I have one that I think is going to be interesting because Go ahead. I think we're on different sides of the coin on this one. Uh, I, I first off recognize that everybody's got a different opinion about this. This is just my own personal opinion. I think basically paper can never be too smooth. I love smooth paper. Think like Clairefontaine Triumph, like, you know, the hot, hot butter on glass, you know, term that people throw out there that often gets messed up half the time. But uh, yeah, that, I'm all into that. Hmm. I've never used a paper that's been too smooth where I've been like, I don't want to use this paper because it's too smooth. I have yet to discover that paper personally. All right. Well, my hot take is that Brian is wrong. Like I said earlier about... um, (laughs) I thought you were just going to leave it at that. I mean, I could. Um, Like I said earlier about getting used to a wide variety of nibs, even when they're not perfect. Mm -hmm. If you've got a nib that might have a bit of baby's bottom on it, that okay. maybe just slightly overpolished. You do not want something super slick. Fair enough. It's going to be skippy. Fair enough. But you take that thing on some, you know, uh, I don't know, Leuchtturm or Lamy, something that's not like super slick. Maybe mm-hmm. it bleeds a little mm-hmm. bit, but mm-hmm. it does grip the nib a little bit more. Yeah, You're yeah, going to yeah. have a much better time. Yeah. So that middle of the road paper for mm-hmm. me is the ideal to- sort of paper because it accepts a wider variety of nibs because I don't care if you you get a Visconti over here, you get a Platinum, you get a Pilot, they're all going to do better on different types of paper. Okay. So if you go super slick, then yes, your nib will be singing if it okay. is tuned and ground to perfection. But let's be honest, not all nibs are tuned and ground to perfection. Mm. So yeah, That's definitely true. such a thing as too smooth. I see. Maybe you're just using subpar pens and I'm using proper pens. <laughs> Well, <laughs> that's true. I will say, if you don't have a properly tuned pen, that 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 can that can cause you issues. Or if you're like, I have really really oily hands. When you get the combination of oily hands, it's like summertime here. I'm yeah. sweating. I'm getting oily stuff on the page, and I have a wet pen. You know, with the baby's bottom type situation, you can get a little bit of skipping. Yeah. Some people get really bent out of shape of that. I don't. Like, I'm just like, oh, okay, it's a little thing. I go that's back true. and kind of fill it in. It doesn't bother me as much. I enjoy the overall pleasure of the writing on a super, super smooth paper. Oh, yeah. Enough to make up for pretty much anything else that I would run into. Fair enough. So I can accept that. Circling back to earlier, I would say that you prefer simply an internally sized oh, God. wood pulp fiber, and I prefer the internal and external sizing on the paper, perhaps. Yeah, I'm sure there's a paper out there that's ideal for me. What is your ideal paper? Like, Rhodia, is that too smooth for you? Because that that tends to be Rodi is my go Rodi is my go to paper. Okay, um, but that, is that about as smooth as you want it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. And and honestly, sometimes I'll have something super slick, and you know, it's it's not ideal. But you know, you, you go a step down, like, um, to uh, you know, um, like a Leuchtturm yeah. or you know something yeah. like that. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. not it's not going to do super well with like a really broad, you know, yeah. wet sort of situation. Not going to be able to push the limits quite as much. No. You have to, um, that's where you have to start like taking into consideration like your ink and nib size choices to like i'm going to start exceeding what this paper can really do well 
You know, see me, I'm just like, nah, I just want to dump it on. I want to dump the ink on, broad nib, smooth, Clairefontaine, that's like the best. Yeah. Like the Clairefontaine, the Triumph is very smooth. It, like that I can understand. Yeah. Not everybody would be into, but like the like the Clairefontaine 90 gram paper to me is like yeah. the best. No, I love Triumph and like for- And Rodia to me is like just a little, like I could do a little smoother than the Rodia, but yeah. that's like- that's like a good kind of Rhodey is what I use daily for taking notes, jotting things down. And I do use Triumph for um, letters. They're, they're a little A5 thing. Fold it, you know, once, boom. You got a beautiful little leather. Let it dry. Ink, nice. look, ink looks good. Boom. Good stuff. All right. That's the hot take. All right. Moving what's, on. What's happening? What's happening? I well. Running, I feel like we're running really long. Probably. I don't know the camera. I don't know the time, but... <laughs> Probably. Um, well, you mentioned gardening stuff earlier. I had I a little bit of garden drama. I'm almost ready to just dump my broccoli out into the woods because. So once upon a time, I found these cute little whitish green butterflies that were around. I took a little Instagram slow motion video of them. Like, isn't this amazing? Aww. Yeah, they definitely laid eggs everywhere, and now there are caterpillars and worms all over my broccoli. It turns out these <laughs> these butterflies are called cabbage whites, and they mm. are monsters, and I hate them. So wow. yeah, little little discouraged there, but that's fine. I was able to salvage one strawberry from the strawberry eating squirrels, and mm. uh, everything else is going okay. But there have been some hurdles. There have been some hurdles. Mm. That's um, a bummer. Yeah, the, also a bummer. Brian Goulet. This mm. weekend, my son uh, had a fight with a metal shelving unit and lost. Oh gosh. Yeah. Is he okay? Uh, that, he has, sound like a fair fight. His head is glued together now, so there's that. He's glued together. Pretty what much. The heck happened? It was a, a giant gash in the middle of his forehead. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was bad. So we took him to uh, oh, Kid Med, the, like the 24 hour. Oh, okay. Thing. You didn't have to go like full on ER. No, no. And okay, that's uh, good. yeah, they said they were able to get away not doing stitches but uh medical super glue okay um so well, they, that's good at least yeah 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 so yeah. he did okay with that um he was fine unless he realized that he was hurt if i was just talking to him he was fine but then like there'd be a long oh, yeah, conversation yeah. he'd be like ah, like hey what uh what's that you know yeah yeah so that was a thing wow yeah. that's exciting yeah that oh, was man. that was definitely exciting i had i had ellie had an incident she had she had five stitches oh yeah we were at target this was when she was five I won't go into all the oh, graphic I remember details. that. Yeah. Yeah. So we were closing the hatch on. Yep. We have an SUV. We were closing the hatch, and she just like darted yep. over because I guess she was trying to get in the car, the door on the other happened, side, yeah. and she like leapt off the curb and smacked her head right into the corner yeah. of the door, and like, like in air, head hit. She went down on her back like so fast, and I was like, I was right there. Yeah. But she ran so fast, I couldn't even like put my arm out to stop her. Oof. It was just like wham, and she was on the ground. I was like, "What the heck?" And as soon as she hit, I was like, "Yeah." I was like, "Is she conscious?" It was like that hard of a hit, God. and it was a whole night in the ER and everything. Yeah. She's fine. She's fine. Did you did you have to do like sunscreen on the wound like for a very long time to keep the scarring down? They told us to do that um, with Archer. I think we had some kind of cream. Or they something. made they, they make like, like, like some a Moderma. Thing. I want to keep I keep want to say Moderna because of the vaccine, but um, <laughs> it's something like that. It's like, right, right, right. Yeah, it was some kind of thing. Yeah, yeah we got to do this that. This was now, like four so. years ago or something. I don't remember yeah. the details, but yeah, it was so, a yeah. thing. That was that was that was my weekend. Um, and yeah. then next weekend, uh, a couple days uh, from now, um, it'll be Friday when you're watching this. So tomorrow, um, I'm gonna go to the Raleigh or the Triangle Pen Show in Raleigh, North Carolina. Hey, so the first pen show since pandemic wow. happened. Um, okay. 
they're doing masks. So this will be mm -hmm. kind of like my little trial run. So okay. um, okay. see how that goes. Cool. A little nervous. You know, it's a lot of people, I think. Maybe. I don't even know how many no. people. I mean, it's a small show. It it's is not a small like show. an it's overwhelming not like a, show. Yeah. yeah. It's not like near a big airport or anything. Yeah, really, I would say so. like of the shows to ease back into things, this would be one of them. Yeah. yeah. And it's like a three hour drive south. So it's not a long trip mm -hmm. for us. Yeah. We're not going in there in like an official Goulet Pens capacity. We're not going to have a table or sell anything or anything. No. Just in case you're wanting no meetups or anything. You're just. But yeah, I'll be there. Check it out. Yeah. Yeah. So you can go and whatever. Yeah. Tell them how you feel about whatever we've talked about in this show. It's been so much. I can't even remember it all. <laughs> cool. What about you? Uh, me? Um, to, I'm a woodworker, as you may know. Uh, I, what? Yeah. And I uh, worked on a wind chime with my mom this weekend. Oh, my gosh. She, like, had made a wind chime herself. It was, like, 10 years ago, and the wood's kind of all degrading. So, like, you know, she told me she wanted to, like, remake it. And I was that like, is super cool. It's kind of cool. So we, like picked out the wood together and we were like working on it together and it was kind of fun. So yeah. That is kind of adorable. Made a wind chime with my mom, with my moms. That is amazing. So I've never cool. made a wood chime with my mom. Uh, neither would trying I make, until to, this weekend. Trying to one up I can, me. I can cross that off my bucket list now. Um, been doing lots of outdoor adventures, as you know. I got new sheds and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I moved a lot of things around, did some some regrading and things like that. And I don't know, you haven't you haven't like kept place in one spot for years and years and years. But I know I know you love working in the yard and like mowing and all these sorts of things. Um, but like I've got all these like dips and bumps and stuff like that in my yard. So and I've got a riding lawnmower that's like pretty fast. So like when I'm riding, it's like a bucking bronco if it's got <laughs> holes everywhere. So I I got like 20 yards of topsoil delivered mm -hmm. and have just been spreading topsoil and like grass seed and stuff in these dips all over my yard just so that i'm not like flying around getting bucked off my lawnmower so you, did, as you, I mow. did you buy the uh, bobcat yet i actually went to a bobcat dealer <gasps> and talked to somebody you did not. i had no idea how much they cost or anything so i was like let me just it was it, there's right by the dump oh, where i bring our trash we called it here it's you literally like the the road where i go to bring my trash there's a bobcat dealer right on the corner and i was like does rachel know let me you, just stop in does rachel know you went to talk to this person i brought the brochure home and didn't like hide it but i didn't like <laughs> specifically bring it up to her because i think i think even i know i'm like this is probably crossing into a territory that is is is, is a bit too much um I'll say those machines are so dang cool i know dude oh you're gonna you're, you are going to end up with a bobcat at some point I'm not looking at like the full on like cab thing. I'm right. talking like a mini track, like a skid steer thing, but it's still, they're really expensive. It's like buying a car. And I'm Ugh. like, I really can't justify it. If I like, if it was like for a business use or something, yeah. I would buy it in a heartbeat. Yeah. But like just to have her on the house, eh, it's not practical enough. Oh man. I'll wait until I like am getting old and frail and then I can justify it as like, I'm not physically capable of managing things anymore. Fair then enough. I can justify it a little Fair easier. Enough. That's my, that's my long-term plan. Okay. I'm going to plant seeds for 20 years with Rachel and then <laughs> finally wear her down. Um, but no, you're what gonna I, be like, you're gonna be like Ralphie from Christmas story, hiding the red rider BB gun brochure in the mom's magazine. You're gonna be like putting the little, yeah. Bob except, you know, Rachel, she's not, she's not one to like be, be like, manipulated or no. coy like you no. gotta like you gotta tell her like it is with her <laughs> um but one thing that i have done is kind of cool so first of all i'm finishing virtual school with the kids which is like we can't wait until that's over right um what's interesting though so like uh joseph his teacher uh 
actually today is in labor having a baby. Oh my like God. She's having her first kid. So she's been pregnant all year, obviously. Um, we knew like towards the end of the school year, she's gonna have it. She had the baby. So like they basically like wrapped up all of their schoolwork last week because they knew she was gonna be out. So he was gonna have a sub for like the last week and a half. Lots of videos, huh? Of his school, of virtual school. So I'm yeah. like, you, you've gotten all your graded work in. You're doing, you have a virtual school substitute teacher your last week and a half of fifth grade, you're going to be going to a new school. I was like, if ever there was like a blow off like school experience, that would be the situation. Yeah. So he's a good kid though. So he's hanging in there, but like the kids That's are awesome. like so done with it. And so is Rachel and <laughs> she does more of it than I do. So I will give her all the credit. She's done with it. Um, I'm largely unaffected. Um, and then the other cool thing I'm doing. So, uh, as you know, I'm I I when I read books, it's often like nonfiction, like you know, very practical books. Which I guess now the one I'm reading is not fiction; it's kind of nonfiction too. But I'm reading uh, Henry David Thoreau Walden, oh, cool. Life in the Woods. You know, which we have a Walden Inc. You know, yeah. organic studios. Um, I don't know. I just kind of on a whim. I guess I've been working a lot outdoors. Nice. I'm watching that TV show Alone. You know, which is all about the survival. If, if, yeah, if I had to stuff. fill in your what's happening section, I yeah. was going to put alone in there. Yeah, you, I am, you I'm watching alone weekly. Yeah, well, I'm like binging it right now. Yeah. you know, I'm in like halfway through season three now, which is pretty cool. Anyway, so there's all kinds of fun stuff in there, and I'm spending a lot of time outside, so it's all in there. So I was like, oh, I'll listen to Throw Life in the Woods. I really didn't know anything about it. Yeah, so you enjoying so, it? Yeah, I am enjoying it. It's it's when he's going over like the prices of like rice flour and stuff like that. It's like and it was written in the mid 1800s. So oh, he's like yeah. talking about how much everything costs at that time. I'm kind of like, I don't know what this means. Yeah. You know, no frame of that reference. I get a little bit lost, Yeah, but you know, yeah, it's very interesting. Cool. I'm, I'm, I'm maybe a third through it. So we're going to see how it goes through the rest of it. But yeah, it's, nice. it's very like, it's very much a dichotomy from like where everything else is in the world right now. Cause it's, uh, it's, it's about like essentially like minimalism. That's probably refreshing. Self-reliance, that kind of thing. It is. But I'm also like when you like your day job is like social media, you're like running a business. I have mm. young kids and like, there's just a lot of activity going on. And then I'm like watching a TV show where people are literally like today I caught a fish. And like, that's literally the activity of the day. You know, and then I'm reading A Life in the Woods. It's kind of like, this is a very, very different lifestyle than I am living right now. It is. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? So I'm just like contemplating what yeah. all that means. But generally, I'm pretty happy with my life. So I'm not like, let me sell everything and go live in the woods. I'm like, no, that's not so much what I'm looking to do right you, now. You can sell it. You can experience <laughs> can it through the works of others. That's exactly. cool. That's why That's why. Yeah. these, these uh, that's why different, this media Different exists. perspective on things, which yeah. I appreciate. That's what books can be good for right yes absolutely meanwhile i'm listening to uh the fourth witcher novel so that i can you know uh, experience what it's like to be a monster hunter in some sort of mythical medieval land so you know oh, that's so a, i don't have that's to do also that a different life. perspective on life yes yes yeah. I'm, uh, I'm very very uh you know worldly that is also yes. cool yes i could equally get into that that does sound actually pretty interesting <laughs> um very cool do you want to do company updates or you want to skip that for next week we can do this super quick Company updates, um, we've already talked about this in the personal message in the newsletter. So for those of you that aren't newsletter subscribers, um, if you live in the European Union, we now have a $200 minimum order to be able to ship to the EU. Long story short, much like the UK, the EU has put these regulations in place that make it to where you have to collect you know, duties and all this kind of stuff. 
they've put out these regulations but have not put great infrastructure in place to actually be able to comply and it's literally like they've dictated it to the world and so like small businesses all over the place are like how in the world are we supposed to do this we've tried to register like it doesn't go through we can't get a hold of anybody to like actually work it out and so it's like we just don't like have the logistical means to actually comply. So the only option that we've had is to require a $200 minimum order so that we can continue to ship. So it kind of stinks. I don't want to get all complainy about it, but we've really tried. It's not like we've just been like, screw it, you know, but like that's just where we're at right now. So until we can kind of like work through that and figure out the technology, that's where we're at with both the UK and the EU. Yeah. Um, and then also fun stuff, Florida, the last, one of the last states to pass their um, online sales tax has actually passed it and it's it's gone through now and it's, um, you know, it's in place. So now if you live in Florida, you have to pay sales tax if you buy from us and many other retailers. So that's kind of a bummer. It was I coming. Think it's 45 states now that we have to have sales tax in. So it's almost everybody, but that's what we've been working on. Yay. We'll have, we'll, we'll have more exciting company updates for you next week though. Yep. Or next time we do this. Yep. Hopefully. Cool. <laughs> Drew, what's on your desk this week? Um, well, one thing I wanted to... Uh, I just see boogie board. Yeah, yeah. Notes. What um, the heck is... <laughs> you've seen this thing before. Um, that? Oh, I thought you meant like a surfboard. No, like no. Boogie board. I, 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 was wanted, like, I wanted to share this. I bought this oh, good, like two, three years ago, something like that. Um, a while ago, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a, you know, pretty common, you know, ADD struggle to walk somewhere and not have any idea where you, why you walked there. Um... <laughs> So sometimes I would leave my office with an objective and then just stand there because I noticed something and then my slate was wiped clean. And then I would just walk back in my office feeling like a total mess of a failure. I've personally witnessed on many occasions, you step out of your office and even if you just like, like look over and happen to see me, I can tell that like you forgot what just happened and you're like stand there for a second, kind of look around. I'm like, is everything okay? And you're like, yes. And then you like walk back into your office. I'm like, Okay, Drew. You know, but that's, yeah. That's so what you're talking about. Th- this is a this is a little um. It's it, the boogie board brand. I think started as like a kid's toy or something like that. But it's a super practical way to take notes and then quickly erase them. Obviously, I could use paper and you know throw a lot throw away a lot of sticky notes. But <laughs> you basically paper anymore. just you know you write on it. Um, you know whatever. Usually notes, and then you just hit this little button, and it goes away. So I use this to just remind myself either during meetings, like, oh, mention mention this so I don't have mm. to interrupt and I don't forget what I wanted to mention. So I'll, you know, jot it down so I can make sure to bring it up. Or I'll just write down, like, you know, go pick up, you know, this pen from the back. You know, I'll, like, when we, uh, when I need to locate something in the warehouse and I don't know exactly where it is, I'll write down the, uh, the oh, location, yeah. like the aisle number and stuff like that on here. Yeah. It's super helpful for that. Because, again, if I talk to anybody, if I see anything, it's boom, gone. So it's helpful for me. This thing was like 14 bucks at Target. Uh, but I don't know. If you're like me, maybe maybe that'll, you know, help you. But uh, this is this is a this is a very common desk thing for me. I use it every day. Pretty cool. Um and then uh, HMJ on YouTube, last time I talked about my rickshaw bag, um, suggested that I negate the jingle jangle of my zippers hmm. by adding zipper pulls to it. So I ordered these from the rickshaw hmm. website. It matches the teal on the interior mm, and it's 
much. It's got a little jingle, but it's got not, a little jingle. But I remember no. before it was like way jingly. Yes. Yeah. So I am way more stealth. I mm. will uh, be able to sneak up on anybody now. So yeah, you won't see me coming or hear me coming. If you can remember what it was, who are you were trying to sneak up? I on. got the boogie board. <laughs> sneak up on Brian for reason. That's unknown. right. That's right. There you go. Yeah. So that's Very me. Cool. Well, that's pretty exciting. Mine is, I guess, been less exciting. Um, you know, did a little nib nook. We're gonna we're looking into Tobaldi, and so I've been playing with some of those. They're Yovo nibs, so I expected them to be good. But Tobaldi's not Yovo. Uh, oh, you're right. Sorry, we I'm don't mixing up something else. We yeah, don't know we what don't they know are. What that's are. true. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I was thinking of other pens that we were testing out. Many other pens. Um, yeah, <laughs> but they, yeah, that's right. So they, they were good. They were good. Yeah. Um, very pleased with them. So that was kind of cool. It's always nice to get to like actually like intentionally, you know, use something with purpose like that for the Nib Nook. Um, and then on the flip side, the other pen that I've been playing with a little bit is the Pilot Varsity. Just the good old throwback Varsity. Really? Why? I've had like a lot of doctor's appointments and stuff like that. And huh. I don't want to like bring a really nice pen and that kind of stuff because I like you know, don't want to forget it, leave it, whatever. It's really hot. I don't want to leave like a really nice pen in the hot car, that kind of thing. So I've just been like, what pen can I just like carry around and not really care about? Varsity. That's cool. So like I haven't been using it regularly and I'm carrying it around now. I'm like, this is a half decent pen. Yeah. You know, like the writing experience is not bad. So anyway, re- rediscovering my love for the Pilot Varsity. That's actually really awesome. Yeah. And if you do leave it somewhere, perhaps someone will find it. Be Somebody like, else will find it and be what like, what is this? Fountain fancy. pens. This is cool. Let me go buy a Namiki Chinkin. That could happen. That's theoretically. That's the natural progression. Varsity Jenkins. There you go. Yeah. That's also after trying to get my mother-in-law into fountain pens with various ways. The varsity is the one that she's like settled on as the pen for her because it's just it's it writes well enough. It's low maintenance. It does what she needs it to do. There's different color options. Yeah, it's always there awesome. for you. So good, good pen. All right, I think we've gone on long enough today. What do you say, Drew? I definitely say. Um, okay, so we're gonna do the outro here. Wrap things up. I do have a random fun fact though. Ooh, but before we do. Just want to thank everybody for watching. Please leave us some feedback about how we're doing. Ask us questions so we can answer it on the show. Let us know how wrong we were about all the things that we were wrong about. Um, be sure to check out goodlypens.com for all of your fountain pen, ink, paper, and sealing wax and bulb syringe needs. Uh, and like and subscribe. Like and subscribe to YouTube, Instagram, all these fun places. Uh, you can email us, if, especially if you're on the audio side of things, at pencast at goodlypens.com and we will check that every now and then to pull questions from it um yeah and uh let us know what you think about all this random stuff that we talked about if you're still awake now my random fun fact before we leave today i didn't actually type it out so i gotta pull up my phone here Hmm. um so drew Hmm. i will maybe see if i can verify this with you because it is comic book related Ooh. so the comic sans font came from an actual comic book most adults nowadays who know anything about graphic design steer away from using Comic Sans in formal documents. The font was designed by Vincent Conner, who drew direct inspiration from his favorite comic books, including Alan Moore and David Gibbons' Celebrated Watchmen series. So there you, you go. can thank that for the Comic Sans font. Really? Apparently. I did not verify any of this. I just <laughs> pulled it from a, one of those 175 random facts that sound fake but are real. Interesting. So it might actually be fake, but I don't know. I would oh, trust it. It was on the internet, so it must com- be true. Comic Sans is usually such a bubbly, fun ink, and Watchmen is like the exact opposite of that in comic book form. I don't know. I thought you would find that interesting I being the comic book fan that you are, so maybe yes. you can give us some feedback next time if that's actually I mean, correct. I do enjoy Watchmen. 
There you go. That's a good one. All you right. Well, write, thank it, you. write it down on your little uh, pad there. Your little, uh, uh, what well, was it called? Also I forgot the name of it. Boogie board. Boogie board. It also gets erased daily, so nothing can really last. Yeah. Well, that's all right. It's kind of like your brain. <laughs> that's all we got for today, everybody. Thank you so much for watching, and we'll see you next time. Right on.